Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Second and 15, this one's picked. Back the other way for the touchdown. It's Janoris Jenkins, a pick six. Oh, welcome to the Big Six Podcast Show, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, joined by Ryan Wilson and John Breach to dive into our signature show, the Sunday Night Recap. We're here it happened. It's real. It's spectacular. Football was back. Week one was awesome. I don't even know how good the football was, guys. But I do know that Tom Brady, as you heard the Joe Buck call there from the Fox broadcast, Tom Brady got pick sixed by Janoris Jenkins. The Jackrabbit took it to the house. The Saints blew up the Buccaneers. We got that to talk about, plus a lot more. How? I know, I know we had football on Thursday. But, man, I mean... It, it felt really good to have that rush of one o'clock. Just everything's happening. Touchdown. Like you're just texting like bananas things. It was, a, it was fun to have it back. It felt a little normal and life was kind of good for a hot second there. Yep. I'm with you. I mean, I actually got up pretty early and had to wait for the pregame show to start on HQ. Of course, the fantasy show was great and all the other channels and you just were waiting for 1 PM. And then once 1 PM got here, uh, on the East Coast, anyway, Breach, that's when the game started. You sort of felt like it was any other regular NFL start to the season. Only one team, ironically, the Jaguars had fans. But you couldn't tell. A lot of tight shots, and you were just focused on the football. I don't know if it was a different experience for the players on the field in terms of being easier to hear things. I would imagine it is. And no, you know, adrenaline rush uh, from the crowd. But I would imagine Janoris Jenkins had a pretty good adrenaline rush. Pick six in there, Tommy Brady. And uh, he probably felt pretty good about that sashay into the end zone. Is it funny that Jacksonville was the only team with a crowd and they won? So like home field advantage one and oh, wow. uh, and well, well, they're, they're Kansas more City home field fans. advantage two and oh, it's getting up there. That's where the fans in the crowd. That's where the similarities in between those two teams. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's Jacksonville, Kansas City's gonna be the AFC championship game, Ryan. Don't be ridiculous. It's actually not that far fetched. Jacksonville is kind of intriguing. We'll get to that hey, in a second. Let me say this quickly though. We for months were talking about how terrible the Jaguars were. Um, I feel comfortable in saying that the Jaguars are no longer the worst team in the NFL, and they may not even be close. I'll just uh, leave it. There. Uh, the Jets, the Jets, the way they played, and it wasn't. Well, for, look, look, let's not. Yeah, let's, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. By the way, I was trying to trying to trying to tease it, and you jumped right in. Okay. Well, you could have said, like, I'll tell you who is the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, Ryan, it sounded more later. like you were just going to give it away rather than tease. Yeah. That's what I'm you just, uh, Cam Jordan, uh, Saints pass rusher, was asked after the game, 
about the weirdness of having no fans in the Superdome and said, it felt like we were at a Tampa Bay game. <laughs> oh, I was almost hit the laugh button, but I forgot I deleted oh, it. You have to hit the dunk on button for that one, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Kevin Harlan. By the way. By the uh, way, your teasers. We may have some more Kevin Harlan sound coming up later. That's a little teaser for Also, me. guess what, Cam Jordan? Is it right Kevin Harlan saying Matthew? Ah! Do you know what game Kevin Harlan was on? If you do, then you can guess what the sound is. I love that Breach is yelling at me about not teasing well, and then he just answers the question to, to your Kevin Harlan thing. By the way, Cam Jordan's teammate, Jameis Winston, formerly Tampa Bay, so I probably hurt his feelings. How about did you, I, don't know, I tweeted it out. I don't know if you saw Did you guys catch the shot of Jameis Winston on the sideline with the Microsoft server? I saw your very mean tweet. He's like holding it. He's like looking around like, Nobody walk over here and look to see if this surface is on, please. Like he's like not the he's saddest. Like, he's like candy crushing or something. Not the saddest candid of a of a backup quarterback today, by the way. Who's the uh, then they also panned over and Jameis was drinking the tea. That meme after uh, Brady threw the pick six. Was he? No, he wasn't, but he should have been. Uh, uh, oh, he like, been. oh, see, I'm gone, but still plenty of turnovers. Let's dive into that game specifically. So. Hey, the saddest quarterback, backup quarterback that John just steamrolled? Yes. Josh Rosen. Oh, that's that's true. The uh Saints beat the Buccaneers 34 to 23. I gotta tell you, because this is a 425 game, we'd already seen Cam Newton in a Patriots uniform. We'll get to that game in a minute, of course. Tom Brady in a in a Bucks uniform wasn't quite as jarring as I thought it would be. I thought he looked clean. I thought he looked fresh. But I also thought he looked like he switched teams after playing for one team in 20 years in a pandemic offseason. Because while Brady was sharp at various points, it's very clear that he and Bruce Arians, they made some good throws. That first drive was awesome. And it led with uh, a Tom, Tom Brady plunging in for a, a touchdown run. It was actually the first time in Tom Brady's career that he ran for a touchdown on his team season opening drive. This is also the first game with uh, two starting quarterbacks in their 40s. Brady, obviously, uh, 43, and he's the oldest player in NFL history to score a touchdown. Now he keeps breaking his own record over and over again. But I, I don't know that he looked great. So, Ryan, how would you grade – or how would you judge Tom Brady's performance in his first game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer? I'll give him a C plus, and I'm not giving him a C plus in a vacuum, and we'll talk about it later. But Cam Newton had zero struggles, so that's something to consider. We're talking about two quarterbacks coming to new programs – new teams, and then not playing up to the level for one that we expected and maybe the other one exceeded our expectations. But for Tom Brady, a couple things. He and Mike Evans were clearly not on the same page. Uh, at any point in that game, late they had a touchdown. It didn't really matter at that point. There were a lot of stupid mistakes, on the, uh, by, and Bruce Arians talked about this. Not just By the way, it's, it's funny you should mention that, that they weren't on the same page. Because on that pick six uh, and, and the interception with Tom, with Bruce Arians on a crosser, I mean, with Mike Evans on a, on a route, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Arians actually criticized him after the game. One was a miscommunication between he and Mike, and uh, he thought Mike was going down the middle. It's a different coverage. Mike read it right, and uh, he should have should have been across his face. But Tom just overthrew it. And the other one was a uh, it was a screen pass with an outlet called, and he threw the outlet, and it was a pick six. Bad decision. Mm. It came out came out lighting up. We go. Well, here's a, here's something worth noting. 
Uh, in the days leading up to the season opener, Bill Belichick couldn't say nothing, could say nothing but nice things about Cam Newton. In 20 years, he never said one nice thing about Tom Brady. Brady comes to Tampa Bay and immediately Bruce Arians is throwing him under the bus. That first interception, it looked like Mike Evans made the mistake, but it also looked like if Mike Evans had done what Tom Brady wanted him to do, that ball still would have been overthrown. And that Janoris Jenkins pick that we've talked about now a couple times was a terrible throw. Even if that was the only read, he threw it behind. I don't know if Mike Evans was out on that route or not. Maybe he was. Either way, it was a terrible throw, a terrible decision. Uh, so not a great start by Tom Brady. You mentioned he made some throws. Of course he did. He's Tom Brady, but he got outplayed by Drew Brees, who also didn't necessarily have a great game. And, um, Sean Payton, I guess, got out coach, uh, out coach Bruce Arians, but there were a ton of mistakes. And I'll mention one last thing for, for breach talks. Um, we were all super pumped about Tristan Wirfs being drafted to, to protect Tom Brady. He got worked by Cam Jordan, and it's not Tristan Wirfs' fault. That's going to happen. But the, the offensive line was a huge problem. Uh, Ryan, are you grading Tom Brady on a curve? You're giving him a C-plus when you said the interceptions were his fault, and he got outplayed <laughs> by a guy who threw for 160 yards? Are you kidding me? Tom Brady gets a C-minus at best. Wait a second. Team. C plus and you're dogging me. I'm going to give him a C minus. Okay. C, no, ahead. C minus at best. I, I'm thinking more your, of the D range though. Okay. Um, here was my issue is that, yeah, we mentioned the touchdown on the opening drive, the, the series that you have scripted out like every team does. After that, Brady was horrible. I mean, the, the whole offense, their offense was totally disastrous after that opening drive. They punted. You had Brady's interception. Uh, they went halfway down the field, ended up with a blocked field goal. They punted again. Then they opened up the first, uh, the second half with the pick six. So, I mean, everything fell apart after the opening possession. And when you're playing a team like the Saints, it's going to score 30 or 40 points a game. You can't just fall apart after the opening possession. I thought Brady didn't look good. I mean, you take out that first series, which I think is fair because, again, that's the scripted series. When you had to start going into the flow of the game, Brady never got into the flow of the game. The Buccaneers were never in any sort of flow. They look disheveled. They look discombobulated. They look confused. I don't know what the deal was, uh, but they didn't look like a good football team. So, again, Brinson, you said that they looked like a team that didn't get to practice together, that has a new quarterback, that had a shortened offseason during a pandemic, and that's what they looked like. So, I don't think there's any need for concern if you're a Buccaneers fan, but I don't think Brady played well at all. Wait a second. Can I ask a question? Either you can answer it. I would be very concerned if I'm a Buccaneers fan because historically breach, do the Saints start fast or do the Saints start slow? I mean, historically they start slow, but again, they also are a team in a pandemic shortened off season that was bringing back most of their starters. They're a team that benefited from half the offseason disappearing because they're not trying to gel and build team chemistry like the Buccaneers or a team like the Panthers or the Patriots. Okay, fair enough. How about this? There were no crowd, no no fans in the stands, so obviously the noise in the Superdome didn't really matter. The Buccaneers' defense was the fifth-best defense last year. They got dog-whipped, it felt like, uh, in the way they played down the stretch. Alvin Kamara went bonkers. Manny Sanders had a touchdown late. Mike Thomas didn't do a whole lot, didn't need to. Jerry Cook was wide open on one of the passes late in the game to set up a touchdown. So, I mean, there are a lot of things to be concerned about, not just offensively in Tom Brady, if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who had huge expectations. Some dummies on this podcast, I think it was just me, picked the Buccaneers to go to the Super Bowl. I said to jam the Saints because the Saints were the better value because the, the Buccaneers are creating too much value. Look, uh, I would say this. He was sacked three times. Tom Brady was. That's a lot. Tom Brady was only sacked three times in 20 years. 
with the uh, 83 times, only sacked uh, 83 times in, in single NFL, right? yeah. uh, <laughs> over the course of 20 years. He's played 283 games with the Patriots. He wasn't sacked three times very much over the course of that. I mean, it's, you know, far less than, than obviously 50%. And his first time with Tampa, granted against a good defense, but he was sacked a bunch. He was uh, hit according to NFL Jesus, the official NFL stat feed. He was hit, uh, let's see what, six times, six quarterbacks hits, uh, by that Saints defense. What it reminded me of, and I said this leading up to it, so I feel a little vindicated. People didn't really listen. I also said smash the Saints, thought it was one of the best bets. It reminded me of Peyton Manning in 2012 in his first couple of games with the, with the Broncos. It felt like he just wasn't in sync. And obviously it's different because he'd had the neck surgeries. But remember, Manning came out and played that came out. I swear I think it was a Monday night. Um, it was a Monday night. Monday night in week two in the Georgia Dome against the Falcons. And they lost 27 to 21. And Manning finished with 24 37 for 241 yards, a touchdown, and three picks, and like a 58.5 passer rating. And we were all wondering, is he washed? And I don't think we're wondering, is Tom Brady washed? But I do think it's fair to wonder what is going to be the acclimation period for when Tom Brady really starts rolling with this offense. Now, my guess would be that it would actually be one week because they get to play the Panthers next week, and the Panthers' defense is absolutely horrendous. So I wouldn't anticipate that they that the, the, the Buccaneers struggle much past next week. But I do think there will be some bumps in the road. You're not going to be on the same page with Mike Evans. I mean, you saw that. It's just the nature of switching teams. It's the nature of this offseason. I I think that if I was holding a Tampa Bay to win the NFC South ticket, I'd be panicking right now. I don't know if I'd be panicking because you look, they're going to be favored in their next four games, Panthers, Broncos, Chargers, Bears. And like we agreed upon, nobody expected big things out of the Buccaneers in week one when you only had four weeks of practice. Two Wait weeks. a second. I thought we all felt like if anyone could overcome this adversity, in quotes, Tom Brady – would be able to do that, especially when we're going to talk later in the show about Cam Newton, who no one, no one had any expectations. Ryan, don't me include me with your royal wheeze. It was not we. I had picked against the Buccaneers week one. I didn't think they would be gelled yet. I, I thought that it was going to take a couple weeks. And I think Brinson mentioned the best example, Peyton Manning. Uh, and I'm pointing out the schedule because I think that is where Tom Brady's going to look at it and be like, look, we're going to win a few of these next games. We'll go on a roll. The Broncos in 2012 started two and three and then ran off 11 wins in a row and finished 13 and three. And the one thing I will say about Tom Brady, here's your fun fact of the podcast. It's coming 10 minutes in Tom Brady is 14 and four and week one games. Uh, the other three losses, he made it to the Super Bowl that year. This is his fourth loss and he has made it to the Super Bowl every time he's lost in week one. Let me ask this, can, or we can we can revisit it later. But who who wins more games, Tampa Bay or New England? I would take New England right now. Tampa Bay. Thank you. Come on. Uh, wow. Come on. You take Tampa Bay right now? Yeah, I expected them to lose this game. I'm still. Yeah, I'm not like jumping ship. Dolphins? I still think what? The Jets what? and the Dolphins are terrible. I, I, Falcons I, I, might I, be ter- Falcons and the Panthers might be terrible too. But I mean, I the think Patriots the- play the Seahawks in Week Two and the Chiefs in Week Four. The Buccaneers are going to have a better record by Week Four. I'll make that. Mm. I'll By the time that. week four is over, the Buccaneers will have a better record than the Patriots. You it up. <laughs> We're dunking on them before. All right, what's the bet on that? I don't know. What? What? You're already a game ahead on me. So odds in my favor. Just, what's that? 
No. The they, odds have to be in Breach's favor, don't they? It has to be a me. better record. I don't want to hear this. Well, they had the same record, so it's sort of the same thing. Then. Well, <laughs> the same record. They're going to catch them by the end of week four. That's not the same thing. That's not the same thing as a better record. All right. We'll You're going to win one more game by week four? What, what is I that? said they could have a better record by week four, and That's I good. think they will absolutely catch them. So two and two. It'll be three and one. I'm going Buccaneers three and one, and the Pats will be two and two. That's all you have to say. Pats four and zero. See, Wilson's on my side now, Brinson. Okay, the Pats. The Pats. Are, look, what's your level one to ten? Panic for the Bucks. It's a. It's it's not low because here's the thing. Bruce Arians said he was shocked by all the mistakes, given how well they hit practice, and that part. That's part of the reason, along with Tom Brady being Tom Brady, that I suspected they would come out. They could have lost that game, no big deal. But the way they played. They look like, I don't want to keep mentioning other teams we're going to talk about, but they look like the Lions out there. So, I mean, that's troubling. So that's the big thing for me. So my, on a scale of one to 10, I'm at a six and a half. My panic level is three. All right. I'm a five. Firm five. Whoa. I think, I think they'll be good. They'll be fine, but it's, it is concerning. Uh, we would be rude. We would be rude if we didn't mention that the Saints look awesome. Well, as Breach pointed out though, Drew Brees didn't look great. Yeah. Alan Kamara looks fantastic. 18 of 30, 160, 160 yards, two touchdowns. Taysom, a waste of time. Hill, according to Pete Briscoe, uh, one carry for 38 yards. Alvin Kamara, 12 carries, 16 yards. The Bucks' run defense was good again for a touchdown, and he also caught uh, five catches for 51 yards and a touchdown shortly after receiving that $75 million extension. He looked fantastic. He might, he might be, he might be on like a, on pace for like a Christian McCaffrey style season. Yeah, he makes Christian McCaffrey type money. So that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Taysom Hill had one throw for 38 yards and then also had, uh, three carries for 13 yards. The Saints offense was not explosive. Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Mike Thomas, uh, five catches, three catches on five targets, 17 yards, also got hurt. So not a great defensive, uh, offensive effort for the Saints, but they still put up 34 points. They took care of business. They did yeah, what well, they had to do. Seven of those points came courtesy of Janoris Jenkins. Well, I mean, if your, your defense scores seven for you, you can be a little, uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from the offense. My point is that you know, maybe the the problem isn't the quarterback. Maybe the problem is it's just cursed to be quarterback in Tampa Bay. I will say this: the Saints had 17 offensive points at halftime, or 17 points at halftime. I don't know what I'm calling offensive points. 24 <laughs> at the end of the third quarter, and like they didn't. All they had the rest of the they didn't. They scored a touchdown. They scored the pick six coming out of the halftime. And then the only other touchdown they scored was that Emmanuel Sanders touchdown. Like they, like the, the defense just locked, just kind of kept it on lock. So good for them. That's that. If the Saints have an elite defense, this is going to be a really good team. Also, and we talked about this a little bit with the Jalen Ramsey deal. If Marshawn Lattimore keeps playing like he, we saw glimpses of on Sunday, he's going to be talking about Jalen Ramsey money. As I told you before, as soon as the Ramsey deal happened. All right. Speaking of New England and the Patriots, the Patriots beat the Dolphins 21 to 11. The Patriots minus seven or minus six and a half. One of my best bets. Cash it. And the under 41 and a half hit very easily. Cam Newton, according to CBS fantasy scoring was the top fantasy player in this game with 25 points. I got to say, I mean, if we're, we're going to be comparing Cam and Tom Brady all, all season long. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cam won week one. He was outstanding. Wasn't even close. Is it blew him away? He was great. And you, you know, I thought about this. I was talking with uh Grant Danny on 1067 the fan in uh DC the other day. 
it's kind of amazing that we never so like anybody who was going to replace Tom Brady at any point of the last 10 years, whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo or Jared Stidham, whoever it was, they're always going to, have to deal with this weight of being Tom Brady's successor. Cam Newton doesn't have that for some reason. Like he's no, so he's an MVP. I know, but that's, that's kind of a big deal. Like that, like, so whoever's next, whoever's the eventual long-term guy in, in New England next is not going to be Tom Brady's replacement. Cam has effectively bridged the, the issue there. Like you don't ever have to replace Tom Brady. You're just the next guy after Cam. Like it's kind of, it's huge for the bucket, for huge for the Patriots. They don't have to, nobody yeah. has to live up to Tom Brady's, like well, I, Tom Brady's footsteps. Breach ain't talking about no one could replace Ken Anderson when the Bengals are, are stinking, you know? You're just worried about having a crappy quarterback at some point. So, yeah, I get it, but. I mean, I think, Ken Anderson, not Tom Brady, but sure. But he was good. That was good teams. My point is that you go far enough down the line. Quarterback of all time. Is he, he's not even in the Hall of Fame, is he? He should no. be. But we don't, that's a different podcast. Yeah, There's my point is that. different podcast that we'll have next offseason. My, my point is that Cam Newton, probably there are a few quarterbacks that could come after Tom Brady and not be worried about it. Cam Newton's one of them. But even if if Jared Sidham sucks next year, if Cam Newton goes somewhere else, whatever, you're still gonna be like, uh, yeah, Tom Brady was so awesome, we miss him. Ryan, you say that Cam Newton is one of those quarterbacks that come after Tom Brady and and, and not worry about it. I think he was literally the only one yeah, out there that the Patriots could have. There was no, you know, like you bring in Andy Dalton, he's gonna collapse under the pressure of playing after Tom Brady. You bring in Nick Foles, same thing happens. You bring in Cam Newton, Cam does not care because he's Cam Newton. He just has his own style, does his own thing. And, you know, I, I love the way the Patriots designed the offense around him. I didn't think – Cam Newton obviously had a better day than Tom Brady, but it felt like, you know, he left throws out there. I'm sure uh, McDaniels and Belichick are going to sit down and say, hey, look, you know, if, if you would have hit this throw instead of tucking up and running or instead of hitting the check down guy, maybe we scored two more touchdowns. So the fact that they won with him still kind of – taking baby steps in this offense is really kind of mind blowing. And, and they're, they were good offensively, defensively. I thought this was one of the most impressive wins uh, just because there was all this talk about how the dolphins are going to be this team that sneaks up on everyone and maybe be that dark horse contender in the AFC East. And uh, the Patriots shut that down pretty quickly. Yeah. In fact, breach and I talked about this Friday on CBS sports HQ and I picked the dolphins to cover that six and a half. And I actually thought they'd win the game. It was actually, uh, they were actually kind of close to covering. They played terribly. In a large- they, they stunk, but like JC Jackson intercepted Fitzpatrick in the end zone with them. Well, that's a huge problem. Ryan Fitzpatrick cannot play like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Two is, two is going to be in by week five. But I don't, we don't know. Whatever. That's not a terrible idea, but I mean, he has to play better as an old person who apparently went to Harvard. You can't throw three interceptions and play the way he did. Devontae Parker, I think, had a hammy at some point. So that's huge development. Uh, big thanks for Sammy Watkins, whatever. But I mean, look, they spent $200 million in the offseason on, on, on players. Uh, three of the guys came over from New England, uh, Van Noy, chief among them. They got Byron Jones. They drafted 50 guys that should help right away. And they were just housed from start to finish. Again, the offense had a lot to do with it. But, um, to Breach's point, Cam Newton, it was a balanced offense. They ran the ball a lot, 15 rushes for Cam. He threw the ball only 19 times, completed 15 of those. The only thing I would say, and clearly his, his foot and his shoulder look great. I don't know if I want him taking a ton of hits. Uh, he ran, I think he ran, did he run in two touchdowns? Yeah, he ran two touchdowns in. And, um, I don't need him taking huge hits. He's healthy. Let's keep him healthy. I know the offense will probably morph and change and all that. Uh, two other things. They, they, they address five running backs, which is hilarious. And they still don't have a wide receiver, but maybe that doesn't matter outside of Julian Edelman. Um, 
the Patriots possessions. Here they are. Four minutes, 48 seconds. Six minutes, 11 seconds. Two minutes, 30 seconds. That was on a three. By the way, the two minutes and 30 seconds, that was a three play negative two yard drive. They went negative two yards in two and a half minutes. One minute and 40 seconds, they went three plays, nine yards. 30 seconds, they picked off Ryan Fitzpatrick and then kicked a field goal before half. 446, seven minutes, 48 seconds, five minutes, eight seconds, and then one minute, 28 seconds, with the last one being uh, taking knees to ice the game. This, again, I'm not trying to take a victory lap here because it's one week, and that's stupid. That's something Pete Prisco would do. But I feel vindicated in what I thought the Patriots were going to do. And they did it. They want to be a power run, eat up the clock, use Cam Newton's legs, and play great defense and force teams to try to beat them to get in a position where – so, like, when you get Ryan Fitzpatrick down 10 against the Patriots' defense, it's a bad spot. He's going to force some balls. And – the Patriots well, one thing I would say, they had eight guys opt out, so that defense wasn't supposed to be the no, same. No, I know, but it's Bill Belichick cooking up a defense yeah, enough right. good players. Um, that was Fitzpatrick's, by the way, sixth career game with zero touchdowns and three interceptions. Three of those six have come against Bill Belichick and the Patriots. They're, they're going to get to play Josh, they're going to get to play Sam Darnold and the hapless Jets twice. Lord. They're going to play Josh Allen twice, and you can, we'll, we'll talk about the Bills in a minute, but Josh Allen, not there yet as an, as an elite passer. Yeah. I like that. Okay, we can talk but about it. They also have to play the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Rams, the Ravens. It's not a completely easy schedule. No, it's not. It's not a free schedule. It never is. It's the NFL. But and look, let's take the time to uh, throw a little shade at our boy Brady Quinn, who came on this podcast last Tuesday and said, "Third up." I was like, "So, do you think McDaniel's? You know, he drafted Tebow. He's gonna like. He's gonna unleash this offense, and Cam's gonna be great. He's gonna be running all over the place." He's like. They're not even going to run him. They're dead. What can they do? I promise you, Jasper Daniels doesn't have that playbook. And, and you, you know what the crazy thing you about that is? To jump in. I want to hear uh, your Brady Quinn talk to your Pete Briscoe. <laughs> and Jerry no, Jones is an observer. What's that? Jerry Jones is an observer. <laughs> you know who stinks? Who's that? <laughs> I'll tell you who stinks. It's that Brinson. That's who stinks. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, was that pretty good? That was pretty good, right? Uh, yeah, it made me laugh. That was a good laugh. I just don't get, like, there was no way Cam Newton wasn't going to be running the ball. Otherwise, you start Jared Stidham or Brian theory? Hoyer. You're not going to take out this huge part of what his game is. That's part of his skill set. Like, you're literally, that's like asking a, a, a Drew Brees to play with his left hand tied behind his back and he got to run around well, like I mean, a, look. Uh, Brady was there. Brady played for Josh McDaniels. So I like, you sort of take your word for him. Like you think he's, you know, no, I, I don't know, but that Cameron 15 times for 75 yards, two touchdowns. He, but is that, I, I understand that I'm fine with what happened in terms of the game plan, but is that too much for Cam to be running the football? He led the team in rushing. I think he leads the team in rushing almost every week. I think this is until what, what until he gets hurt. And then what are you doing? I think it's okay as long as he's not taking the hits. Like Russell Wilson's one of the smartest quarterbacks. He runs all over the place, always slides. Lamar Jackson, he's about 50-50. He's taking hits and sliding. But Cam Newton's so big, he thinks he can just run people over, and he keeps trying to do that. And it's just like, Cam, look, we know you're knocking that guy down, but that's going to take a toll on you. Your body's already beat up. You just can't keep doing that. Just run out of bounds. If you don't have a slide, just fall down. I would like to push back on that a little bit. All right. What injury has Cam Newton ever sustained while uh, rushing down the field? 
No, the point is he's already been injured. So if, if you re-injure oh. your shoulder taking a hit while you're running, that's where it comes into play. Fine. He's injured his shoulder taking hits in the pocket or when he tried to tackle somebody to pick six, and he injured his foot against the Patriots last preseason while in the pocket when he got stepped on. I really, and I've maintained this for a long time, I know what you're saying. Like, the more you rush, the more you're putting yourself at risk. But, like, I don't think that Cam, the way that he's built physically and the way that he runs, he he's, he's not getting, he's at risk if he's in the pocket getting hit by, like, defensive ends and defensive tackles. He ain't getting hurt when, when he's running into a cornerback. He's Four times yeah. bigger, like he's way bigger than that cornerback. I he's just think old, he's older, and as Breach points it's, out, it's possible. But I, I do think I don't think fifteen rushes is outrageous. That's a lot. No, well, I don't think but, fifteen rushes is outrageous. Yeah, I do agree with you there. And I want to say one thing real quick to compare Cam to Tom Brady. I actually think the Patriots had an easier time getting Cam ready for this offense than the Buccaneers would with Brady. Because with Brady, you're a one trick pony. You have to throw the ball. He's not going to be. Yeah, exactly. So you have to have that timing down. Whereas McDaniels can sit Cam down and look, we want to have you timed in. We want to have you so that you have good chemistry with these receivers. But if you don't, then take off and run. You know, like that's not an option with Tom Brady. Uh, so that puts Cam Newton almost a step ahead of whatever the Buccaneers are trying to do. So the I don't Buccaneers think it's that surprising. That. I mean, what do you rush for five yards? We forgot yeah. to mention him. He, Brown Jones, so actually good. Played, Jones actually played okay. But yes, that's a good point, John. By the way, if Cam averages 15 rushes per game over the course of 16 games, that's 240 rushes. That would shatter his previous career high rushing attempts of 139. I just think when you go back, go back and look at these rushes, it's not like they were all high impact stuff. He took it's a couple of big hits. I think on both touchdown runs, he got hit. Another You're always going to take a big hit on the touchdown run for sure. Cam, Cam pushes the envelope on the touchdown run. No doubt about it. He took some big shots there, but I'm saying like on these other ones, he was basically doing a read option and getting out and then sliding down or like perfect. Picking the first first down. I think they're just really picking their spots where they do it. And in my opinion, they will operate this offense and maintain this style of play for the next month or so. The over under against the Seahawks, 44. Love the under. I think Seattle comes out conservative in that game. Let me tell you something. This offense, as you said, might last a month. It might last six more days because Jamal Adams is going to light his ass up and then they're going to have some conversations. What are you talking about? Jamal Adams, Jamal Adams doesn't want that smoke, son. Ooh, we'll see. We'll see about that. And uh, if Cam does average 75 yards a game, you know what he's going to end up with? 75 times 16. 1,200. You know what that would be? The most rushing yards by any quarterback in the NFL. Boom, just tally up that bold prediction right now. Mm. I love that Breach raises the roof on some random fact. Yeah, it's like week one raising the roof on a, on a prediction. <laughs> well, I thought you guys were going to bring up me raising the roof on Andy Dalton week one last year. <laughs> oh. NFL oh. records coming. Oh. <laughs> All right, moving. Oh, wait, I forgot. Uh, by the way, what, you know, we're doing all these games with no fans and everything. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit. You know who else talked about that? Bill Belichick. What was the atmosphere like in the stadium? without fans there, can you compare it to anything else that you've experienced uh, in your football life? Practice. <laughs> oh, my God. What a fantastic – it took me a second to register what he said. Practice. Great answer. Practice. He just said deadpan practice. So in like the beginning part of the question got cut off, but he's like, Bill, you've been around football for years. And da, 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 da. He's like, practice. I was actually thinking while the – the reporter was asking the question, maybe Belichick is better social distancing for press conference? Nah, still terrible. He looks even worse. He's like, why am I on Zoom? What is happening? Uh, 
And then after that, he said, because the, the reporters like practice like a little more than that. And he said it was like scrimmaging the Titans or scrimmaging Detroit. So I just think it's fascinating to hear a coach say it doesn't feel like a game. It feels like this weird thing we're doing out here in an empty stadium, mm. especially a coach like Belichick. That's a good point, Breach. Sunday night football, Rams 20, Cowboys 17. The Rams plus two and a half. They actually got to minus one right before close. And I think it actually swung a little bit back to maybe they were plus one. It was flying all over the place late. Uh, There's a famous gambler who apparently hammered the Rams. Somebody who'd been like in jail with the FBI before. Mm. Name, it's like Billy Walters, maybe? I think is his name. Yeah, Billy Walters. He, he apparently unloaded on the Rams. Uh, and it caused the line to go from plus three all the way down to pick them, but it didn't matter because the Rams won outright. The under 51 and a half hit. Ezekiel Elliott, 24 points in fantasy. Malcolm Brown, 22 points. Dak Prescott, 19 points. The obvious question, well, I will point out first, the Rams look night and day better. And maybe the Cowboys defense stinks, but the Rams look a whole lot better. The big question, though, did Jalen Ramsey flop or did Michael Gallup commit offensive pass interference? Rachel, you go first because you had a similar incident in your other favorite game. Well, I thought the call was absolute trash. I think that, and, and, Breachbot 2000, Jerry Jones is paying me to say this. I thought that in that situation, it's late in the fourth quarter. We've all been missing football. The Rams have already benefited off of pass interference flags. They got the Super Bowl two years ago. They don't need to benefit off of any more cheap pass interference flags. And I just thought in that situation, you don't throw that pass interference flag. Uh, I, I thought both guys were kind of jostling at each other kind of evenly. I absolutely thought Ramsey flopped. Just don't throw the flag. Just keep playing. See what happens. The Cowboys would have had what? Like first down at the 15 yard line, 30 seconds left or something. Just down do it. three chance. Hey, Ryan, three. Ryan, would you be surprised to find out that Breach had Dallas minus three in our expert picks? Oh! <laughs> I did too, but he's right. That was a terrible call. That was an absolute terrible call. You can argue that the call in the Bengals game that we'll talk about later, that there's some wiggle room there. Uh, we talked to Brian McFadden, um, at HQ about it after on Sunday night and he said, if I were a referee, Brian McFadden's a former defensive back, I would not have thrown that flag. And here's my question. Jalen Ramsey, the highest paid cornerback in the NFL, and rightly so. Why are you getting beat the last series with Michael Gallup and then flopping? Oh, Gallup. <laughs> yeah. And then flopping. That is, I mean, I will say this, terrible call, but um that Dallas offense, dog doo-doo, man. The the second half, five possessions, I think they had a field goal, and that was it. A bunch of punts. Twice they had, they turned the ball over on downs. The two uh, possessions prior to that pass interference call, which was the last uh, possession of the game for the Cowboys, was also a turnover on downs. Third and six, deep in the um, Rams' in, they run the ball with Zeke Elliott. Fourth and three, throw a pass short to Ceedee Lamb instead of kicking a field goal to tie it. I don't necessarily hate going for it on fourth and three, but have a play that goes more than two yards. Um, so there are a lot of fingers to point. A part of me thinks that that fourth and three going for it was Mike McCarthy going the exact opposite direction of Jason Garrett with the exact same result of just frustrating the crap out of Cowboys fans. Agreed completely. Like, you just take the points and tie it, right? I don't care. Here's the thing. Yes. Don't run it third and six if you know you're going for it. For two, If you're going two plays. So call pass play twice. Get Zeke out in space. Also, something else worth noting. Why are the Cowboys not running the football? Why are the Chiefs running the ball more 
than the Cowboys. The Chiefs took what was given to them by the Texans, the Cowboys, and I think to your point, and my point, Brinson, uh, Mike McCarthy's like, I'm going to prove that I, I'm, I'm doing things differently, and here we go, and it just blew up in their face. I, so he, he wasn't doing anything analytical in, in that game. I mean, he, he was running the ball on first down every time, and then he would pass, and I, I really I think you're 100% spot on. I think he got to that fourth and three, and he's like, what would Jason Garrett do here? He's definitely kicking, right? right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to show people I love analytics. I'm going to go here because Jason Garrett would kick. And I get like, I get it. The analytics say that you should be able to get, you should be able to pick up that first down. I would also add that I think, um, one, the, the route, the route was run poorly. So the top, they ran a mesh concept and the, the, uh, I can't remember who ran CD was the one who caught the ball. No, 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 I know, but I can't remember who oh. ran the mesh above CD. But he ran, he, he was either, he either ran the route low or the defenders kept him pressed in, pressed in closer to the line of scrimmage on his route. And it caused CD Lamb to run short of the sticks on the mesh route. And so I think also the deck threw it slightly a hair behind him. Maybe if you leave yeah. him, you have a chance, but yeah, he did not. If he had thrown it ahead of him, if, if C, if, if the routes are run better by the receivers and if Dak gets rid of the ball faster, that's probably a first down. So I sort of wonder if may, maybe like maybe it wasn't a bad call. And by the way, if they is, complete it and get the first down, what are we talking about? Oh, we're like McCarthy's he, he's not Jason Garrett. Look at what he but I We're talking about how the Cowboys lose in overtime because they went for it on another <laughs> fourth down. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> but I but I, I just wonder if maybe that's sort of the byproduct of again, a shortened offseason a new yeah. coaching staff, a rookie wide receiver. And so you try to execute in that spot and it comes a little short and you just like, I'm not, I, I don't think the play call was bad. I just think the route, like you just can't run a route short of the sticks. So like, did you have enough time to practice that is it's, that's not a route that CD lamb is running a ton at Oklahoma. You know, like he's not utilizing a mesh concept against NFL defenders. He's just getting open whenever the hell he wants. And Brenton, what you're talking about is the gray area of analytics because analytics is black and white. You look at it and say, does this move give me a better percentage chance to win the game than this other move? And so the analytics say going forward on fourth and three in that situation gives me a better chance than kicking the field goal. That's the black and white of it. When you look at the, when you look at the gray of it, the Cowboys were converting like 15% of their third downs up to that point in the fourth quarter. They hadn't been able to move the ball really at all. And like you said, who knows what their timing's at. This is their first game. Uh, they, they had already proven throughout that entire game that uh, getting three yards wasn't going to be that simple. And I actually agree with you. I thought in the fourth quarter, you're down by three. Take the points. Your defense has been playing pretty well. You know, if you're winning at this point, maybe you go for it because you're trying to like step on their throat. If you're down 20 to 13, probably again, you go for it because that field goal, you're still down a touchdown. If you're down 20 to 13, you're definitely going for it. I mean, well, I mean, there was, uh, there was like 11 or five minutes left in the game. So yeah, you're I like, mean, Jason Garrett would have kicked the field goal down 20 to 13. That, Don't blame it on Jason Garrett. That was your, by the way, you want to hear a fun, sad fact before Breach tells it? Sure. Uh oh. Since last, the start of last season, last two seasons. You know what the, um, in eight games, I'll give you that much. What are the, the Cowboys in one score games? Their record in eight games. Uh, one and seven. One and seven. Is that good? That Do you know good. who the only team in the NFL who is worse over that time period? Yes, the Bengals. Everyone knows that. Oh God. I knew you knew it. <laughs> uh, I think here's the bigger problem for the Cowboys over the long haul is that again, like we saw with the Buccaneers, 
And like we saw to a degree with the Colts, we'll talk about these teams who don't have continuity. I'm going to pat myself on the back one more time here. Quarterback, head coach, OC, offensive line. The teams who are struggling with continuity or don't have continuity at those spots struggle today. We saw these new quarterbacks sort of struggling. Look, dude, the Cowboys lost. Cam Newton. Well, the, key, the, the Patriots, that's a different style offense. They weren't trying to throw, and it's not about timing. But it's Just, a completely different offense than they've run in 20 years. Okay, that's fine. You're right. I, I will give you that. The, 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 you. The, the, the Patriots are the outlier there. But for the Cowboys, based on the way that everything is set up for this team, it is enti- like their success or failure is predicated entirely on their offense. This defense isn't going to be very good. By the way, do we know – didn't – isn't – um. Kellen, what's the, I can never remember his name. What's the Kellen OC? Kellen Moore. He's calling the plays, right? Yeah. Mike so we, shouldn't be, we shouldn't be dunking on Mike McCarthy per se because I think Kellen Moore is supposed to call the plays until Mike McCarthy decides. Well, but Mike McCarthy play. made the decision to go for it on fourth and three. Right, right, right. But, but Kellen might call that play. Uh, anyway, the one thing that I will say about the Cowboys. Like, yes, go ahead. Uh, how do you feel right now if you're Jerry Jones and the last time the Cowboys and Rams played each other last December – Jason Garrett and the Cowboys won 44 to 21 with the Rams in the playoff hunt. That was a huge game for both teams. Now you turn around, you give the keys of the car to Mike McCarthy and he crashes it into a wall. I mean, that kind of adds to the element of how ugly this loss was and how bad the Cowboys offense looked. Jerry Jones had to sit in a $5 billion stadium that's better than the Jerry Dome and watch it all unfold (laughs) with no mask on. Wasn't it? Yeah, that was, these guys is Tepper and Jerry Jones. I noticed were just like hanging out with no mask on. I guess that's Jerry funny. Jones is rubbing his face like crazy. Jerry doesn't care at this point. He's just jabbing his eyeball over and over. He's again. playing with house money. Yeah. Uh, look, the Cowboys uh, scored their two touchdowns in the in the second quarter, and then went punt, punt, field goal, downs, punt, downs. That's not good enough. It's not going to cut it. It was fortunately for them. Uh, fortunately for them, there's some openings based on uh, based on what. Uh, you know, what else happened in the NFC East, which we'll get to in a minute. Oh. Would be remiss if we did not mention that the Los Angeles Rams, who are now 1-0, and the, the NFC West looks loaded. We'll get to some more teams on there in a second. But, like, the the Rams the Rams look night and day different than they did at the end of most of last year, especially at the end of last year. I, I think- don't know if it's the lack of Todd Gurley. <laughs> Todd Gurley did look terrible on Sunday. But I think to Breach's point, I think that whooping they took in Dallas was part of it. And people doubting Sean McVay, and I think he took that personally. And, you know, you watch Hard Knocks, you feel like that team is going to be good. But you, you got a sense that that team was coming together. Jalen Ramsey, other than that flopping, didn't play terribly. He made some 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 good plays. Aaron Donald was a monster as usual. Dude, Aaron Donald. I, I, you guys, There's a clip out there by, I right. think, John, like a bunch of people are tweeting it. But it's like he look, he he literally looks like a literal bowling ball. And just takes out two other human beings like like they're bowling pins. Well, one of the human beings is is uh, Connor Williams, the guard. And then after he disposes of him, confused with Connor Williams to the Jets. Yeah, the other Connor Williams, my my favorite Connor Williams plays for the Jets. And then after he disposes with him, he takes two hundred twenty pound Ezekiel Elliott and hip tosses him on his way to harassing Dak Elliott, uh, Dak Prescott. And my my point is this: Why is Zeke Elliott not out running the pass route? And why is he trying to block Aaron Donald? Why don't you use Zeke Elliott for what? I mean, why are you paying someone fifteen million dollars to try to block Aaron Donald? I think the Cowboys offense will get better. I think, but I think the Rams, I mean, it's week one. We're overreacting to everything, but I do think the Rams look like they will be back in that. I thought Goff, Goff flashed. Like he did some good things, much better than I typically expect. And he did, he was 20 of 31 for 275 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. The pick was he got hit in the face and they didn't call it. 
Like, yeah, that was bad. That, that, the, yeah, you're right. The Rams should, and the Rams would have scored a touchdown there too, I think, or at least gotten a field goal out of that. Um, and Malcolm, Malcolm Brown, two touchdowns, yeah. two rushing touchdowns. That was a, a situation too where like, I think they were both like Robert Woods was called down to the one and then Brown punched it in. So like golf could have ended up having a really nice day. Uh, I, I, I think the, the arrow is pointing up for the Rams when we all were sort of burying them as the worst team in a very deep NFC West, by the way. But even though we did bury them, Brenton, you and I both pick them to make the playoffs. Well, I'm, I'm going to be right about at least one of my a- a- NFC West playoff predictions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why you did it. So you couldn't be wrong. <laughs> I was actually uh, on all of us. I was down Leighton on the Vanderash fractured collarbone. Oh, God. Injured reserve for him, given his back injuries. It is hard to imagine uh, he will be back soon. They've had some bad luck with linebackers. Cameron Irving also suffered an injury as well. And Blake Jarwin torn ACL. That is a tough was- trio of losses. Like, you lose a football game 20-17. to 17, You're breaking in a new offense and a new coach. It's one thing. You lose a, a Irving starting, right? You lose a starting offensive lineman. You're starting tight end who's, who just gave an extension to, um, and you're starting middle linebacker. That is a brutal blow. I would anticipate that we see, I don't know, the Cowboys. Uh, a trade for uh, Jason Witten probably. Oh, my God. You see that Witten graphic they flashed during the game? One catch for two yards? He's like him in like that Raiders uniform. Look at all coy. And he was ball-headed. I don't know where his hair went so quickly. He got rid of his hair. That's right. Uh, Aaron Donald, by the way, 10 quarterback pressures on 35 pass rushes. Ay, ay, ay. If only he could stop. Is Robert Woods the most underrated wide receiver in the NFL? I'm not even kidding. That's a, no, I agree. Tyler Lockett, but then Robert Woods. That's close. I love both those guys. Woods is just awesome. Every single time he is open and he makes plays. And it's he funny. He has a ton of touchdowns, but he just, he just, he has like eight catches for 110 yards every time. Apparently he's underrated by opposing defenses. They're just huh. watching film like, we don't have to worry about that guy. That's crazy. He's not going to beat us. The boy, you like a guy. You like? Do you guys like peacocks? Brown is a peacock, baby. I like peacocks. But but peacocks. That was a pun. Uh, And save. Yeah, please cut that, Debo. Debo, cut that and save it. Um, (laughs) The thing is, breach breach knew a half a syllable in where this was going, and he just couldn't stop himself. So that's what makes it even better. Well, That's the first first self dunk of the season. Way to go, Bree. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete Peacock Prisco was sauntering around the CBS offices at half during the halftime shows uh because the Green Bay Packers 43-34 mm. against the Minnesota Vikings at halftime, the score was 22 to 10, which is not really a score you would want to be peacocking on. But Pete, uh, Pete said along the lines of like, I told you this was a good team. I told you people said Aaron Rodgers was washed up. Please. Aaron Rodgers is great. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was great. He was the yeah. Millie maker, a winning quarterback. He went 32 of 44 for 364 yards and four touchdowns against the Vikings defense, which used to be good. And apparently hmm. no longer is hmm. the Packers obviously covered the plus one and a half. By the way, Rams covered and won. Packers covered and won, and the Cardinals, of course, covered and won outright. You know what that means? What? Pick six podcast parlay hits in week one, and we told you to splash on the money line parlay in like 12 or 13 to one. That hit as well. 
you you'll be unsurprised to find out that this is the one time I didn't bet it. Ooh, well, what was it, what's I'm not surprised. On, what's a payout on a three-way parlay? Well, uh, f- uh, five to one. Ooh, and then the money line because the Cardinals were like two and a half to one. It would it paid out really nicely. Mm-hmm. So whoops on me. To uh, top fan, the over 44 and a half hit of uh, Packers. I'm going to hit it by themselves. Aaron Rodgers, 38 points. Devontae Adams, 27 points. He smashed. Devontae Adams did. He ended up uh, finishing with 14 catches on 17 targets for 156 yards and two touchdowns. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, four catches on six targets, 96 yards and one touchdown. Pete is, is going to text me MVS every time he catches a touchdown or every time he catches a pass. And by the way, Pete, also out there on the Twitter streets, Trolling friend of the show, Mina Kimes. Hey, look, Pete deserves it, but I can predict what will happen. When Aaron Rodgers lays an egg, Pete will be blocking to the point of carpal tunnel syndrome because he tweeted hi at Mina Kimes. Hey, look, man, he deserves it because everyone, I think she went out of her way to, to dunk on him when he initially came out with the quarterback rankings or whatever it is he said she about. Sub-tweet, no, she subtweeted about power rankings. Everybody was tweeting about like the guy who had the Packers second. It was ridiculous. How are you the Packers second behind the Ravens? Or ahead of the my Ravens. theory is is this, not with Pete. Pete's right to, to gloat right now. We'll see if he keeps it up. My theory is that the uh, Packers had an opportunity to, to trade up and get Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs, and instead they picked the worst possible draft class just so that Aaron Rodgers could spike win football games in 2020. And I think – He's like, I, I'm gonna, I'll do it by myself. I don't care. I'll be condescending and a jerk about it. And uh, first victim. They don't. They don't like. They, they don't like Jordan Love as a prospect. I hate nor, him. Nor do they want to ever play him. But they knew it would motivate Aaron Rodgers to play well for like the final. Two like they literally, when they were scouting Jordan Love, they want him to play safety. But like, yeah, we'll draft him as a quarterback. We'll trade him the first round to get him. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers. Six round grade on. Like, well, <laughs> look, look, we could get him a wide receiver, but what if we just draft him in the first round? Um, Aaron Jones, 16 carries, 66 yards, and a touchdown as well. Kirk Cousins actually finished with a nice day, 19 to 25, 259 yards, two touchdowns. Adam Thielen went off, six catches, 110 yards, and two touchdowns. My big takeaway here is like f- the Vikings scoring was garbage time. I mean, big time garbage time. They were down 36 to 18, cut it to 36 to 26 with, uh, well, eight minutes left. I guess that's not crazy. But they couldn't stop the Packers at all. And I think this may be a recurring theme Yeah, Neil Hunter comes back. Well, and that's the thing is I know that uh, Pete Prisco definitely going to be peacocking like you've been saying. But, but what else he, if, you, if it's Pete and he's peacocking, <laughs> what would he be doing? When I look at this game, I don't know if I look at it as how good the Packers looked versus how bad – the Vikings looked like you're Minnesota. You're Mike Zimmer. You dumped four of your defensive starters, like shipped half of them off to Cincinnati. And and you thought your team was magically just going to be better uh, in week one in a pandemic shortened off season where they didn't have any time to kind of figure things out. You have a young secondary, like what else was going to happen? This was just the, the Vikings were basically asking for this. And Kirk cousins, isn't the type of quarterback who's going to win a shootout. And although he played decently, he had the ugly interception, uh, with under a minute left in the first half, which allowed Aaron Rodgers to throw two touchdown passes in 25 seconds, and that put the game away. So to me, I'm not sure how good the Packers are. They're good. I don't know that they're great, but I do know that if I'm a Vikings fan, I'm really worried about this team's defense right now. And going forward, I don't know 
who you're going to be able to stop. They have to play the Colts. I don't know if they can stop the Colts. I don't think they can stop the Titans. Yeah. I don't think they can stop the Texans. Like they have a lot of good offenses on their schedule. And because the defense was so bad and Daniel Hunter's not going to be back for a, a few weeks, uh, you know, I don't know where this is going to end for them. And I, I don't know that we're going to know how good the Packers are for at least a couple more weeks. Did, uh, Yannick Ngakwe play? He's not in the stat sheet. Uh, that's a good question. Because if he did, that's troubling. If he didn't, <laughs> the breaches point. Him and Daniel Hunter out, that's even more troubling. So question. the secondary is, is a huge issue, uh, the cornerback at least because of all the young guys that Breaches talked about, uh, departing. Um, so maybe the, the you would expect that the, the, the young players will get better on defense, but you don't have a lot of time. And yeah, no Yannick played. He had a, he had a quarterback hit. Sweet. One okay. quarterback hit. Yeah. I mean, they uh, hit zero sacks. Well, that's why he only had a hit, I suppose, but you would like more than a hit out of a guy who's, I think making twelve million and looking for certainly more. Oh, than no, no, Sean Gary had two quarterback hits as well. Is Pete going to be spot on about this? Bad? Like, like every guy's taking a leap that Pete mentioned. That's a Jair Alexander had a and, a, and an interception and a quarterback hit. Oh God, this is hell. offensively. This is everything. I don't know. If this is what you want to see if you're the Packers. It's Devontae Adams is the entire offense from the receiving standpoint. He caught fourteen of thirty-two passes. If he gets injured or they play a team that actually has a good secondary that can shut him down. You know, that was the Packers issue last year. That's the issue they didn't fix in the draft. And we don't know that that issue has gotten better because Felt again, scaling played well. What? About a scaling was four catches. Nine. He had some bad drops too, though. He did have some bad drops. Right. I, I would say, I, I think I, I really, I mean, and look, I'm not trying to take away from the Packers. This was an awesome game. You go into Minnesota, and, and frankly, I picked the Packers to cover and to win. So I'm not yeah. – they were part of the parlay. They were one of my best bets. Did we all pick the Packers to win the division? I, I think so. Yeah. I don't think anyone was sold on the Vikings because of the defense. I picked the Lions. Oh, oh right. God, I can't wait to talk about that game. Go ahead. At least he admitted it. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, oh, it's out there. I picked the Cardinals too, though. We'll get to that in a second too. The, I, I don't I, – look, what the Packers did was very good. They had 11 first downs rushing, 17 passing. They converted 55% of their third downs, 50% what, of their, uh, what's the butt? I mean, I think, well, I, they averaged seven, 6.9 yards per play. Like they, they were awesome on offense. I just, I think that there is a belief coming out of this week that this is who the Packers are. And I, and I tend to yeah, think yeah. that it may be a bigger issue as to what the Vikings are on defense. And to breach his point about Kirk Cousins not being a guy that can like win a, win a game by himself. Everybody was sort of like banging on Kevin Stefanski for how he hindered the, the Vikings offense last year. It's Mike Zimmer. And we talked about this at Prisco. It, it is a hundred percent Mike Zimmer. I don't know. Did you watch the Browns game? <laughs> that might be Stefanski. Stefanski didn't watch that game either. <laughs> all, all I'm saying is that if the Vikings think that they can win by being a Mike Zimmer conservative offense with the defense that they have now, then the Vikings are not going to the playoffs. No, they need to be concerned about being a Mike Zimmer conservative defense. That's the issue. They, their defense, if their defense is this bad, if this is what their defense is, then they are in big trouble because they don't have the offensive chops to to crank it up. I mean, they've got well, on Diggs. It's just Adam Thielen. That's right. The defense will get better because they're younger. Justin Jefferson had a few catches. He'll get better. But again, that's right. You're not. I mean, you're already one down in the division against the the team that is going to be the toughest play in that division. All right. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, I will get on over the lines. 
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so let's stick with the NFC North. Oh, this would hurt. This is the worst. Mm. The Bears, 27. The Lions, 23. The Bears, plus two and a half, covers the over 42 and a half hits. If you were sitting on the Lions, I mean, I was in a group chat with somebody who's like, you know what? This has a little bit of Detroit, Arizona from last year vibe to it. I was like, no, no, these lines are going to close, baby. No, they didn't. They did not. They let MVP Mitch Trubisky storm back on him. Trubisky was the top fantasy performer in this game with 29 points. Matthew Stafford, 17. Anthony Miller showed up late, 14. The Bears outscored the line 21 to nothing in the fourth quarter. It mm. should have been 21 to seven. The Lions should have won, but second round rookie running back DeAndre Swift dropped what I mean. One of the worst the, drops you'll ever see. One of the worst drops you'll ever see. Stafford hit him in the damn hands as he's turning around and, uh, he, he dropped it. Stone Cold dropped it. He had smoked a cornerback. It, it drops and, uh, the Lions lost. The Bears uh, won. And our former co-worker, Bleep, of course, is just saying Bleep's got nothing to do. Is oh, that, I was wondering what that text meant. I was confused by it. Now I understand. What? Which one? Sup. Yeah. Yes, you please. Got it. Acting like he's excited. I mean, like, it's like, we, we get it. Come go on. study, a nerd. Yeah, go, go do some study. Um, at any rate, the, uh, by the way, uh, Bleep tweeted yesterday. Tweeted on Saturday, on Saturday, on Sunday. I can't live in a place where I'm dying to watch Nick Foles, but I'm dying to watch Nick Foles. In other words, just like all these other Bears fans, they gave up on Mitchell Trubisky. They were bashing Mitchell Trubisky left and right. That tweet was from halftime. They're, they're ripping Trubisky. They're calling the Bears terrible. Like maybe we should just tank for Trevor after an all, all season of optimism uh, about 
Nick Foles about winning the job. Of course he didn't win the job. They, they rigged it for Trubisky. They passed on Cam Newton to get Nick Foles so Trubisky could win. And then somehow Trubisky pulls out this incredible comeback in the fourth quarter. And by the way, we're 16 weeks away, or I guess 28 weeks away, from Trubisky getting franchise tagged. After he leads the Bears to the Super Bowl. That would suck. You know yeah. what, though? You... The text thread saying that this has a Cardinals feeling uh, from last year. I had the opposite feeling. This game got to the fourth quarter. The Lions were up 23-6. to six. Mitchell Trubisky had been total trash. And I was thinking in my head, there's no way they can blow this lead. And by the, When the fourth quarter started, uh, the Bears were at the Lions' 10-yard line. So they were going to score something, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown. But in my head, I'm thinking, it, even if they get a touchdown, it's 23-13 with like 12 minutes left in the game. The Lions aren't blowing that. They're not blowing this 23-6 lead. They're not blowing a 23-13 lead. Matt Patricia's learned his lesson. Well, you know who didn't learn his lesson? Matt Patricia. Ryan, do you know who was a good Lions coach? Uh, Jim Caldwell. Did he go 9-7 back-to-back season before they fired Jim Caldwell, 9-7 and seven back-to-back seasons. This was unbelievable. I, I like If I was a Lions fan, I would have pulled out – all of my hair. As the resident Bengals fan of this podcast, I thought the Lions had the worst loss, the most painful loss yes. uh, on Sunday. And, and this was just absurd that they lost this game. What was Jim Caldwell's record when he got fired? Nine and seven back-to-back years. Do you know what Matt Patricia's record with the Lions is now? Has He's he had, won nine games? He, he has nine Twenty-three and one. My God. Yeah. Our pal Michael David Smith tweeted, I retweeted it, and somebody replied, said, it's pretty black and white. <laughs> Here's the thing. In Matt Patricia's defense, he's been great for social justice issues the last few months. I give him that. Maybe he should do that full time if we're being honest about it. But the football stuff ain't working out. And to make matters worse, Breach said this game was a much worse loss than the Bengals game. And I agree. Uh, Trubisky should have been benched at halftime. That's how poorly Mr. Trubisky played. And he shouldn't have been benched for Joe Burrow. He should have been benched for Nick Foles. If Nick Foles had come out of the third quarter, he'd be like, yeah, he had it coming. I don't know why it took so long. But Mitch Trubisky finds his second win, and it goes absolutely off. DeAndre Swift obviously helps. Jeffrey Akuda didn't play for the uh, for the Lions. They're their top first round pick. Um, they traded Darius Slay because they know what's best, and they absolutely lions it up. Again, I mean, we talked about this with the other game with if the Cowboys had converted that fourth down late in the game, maybe something else happens. If DeAndre Swift catches it, we're not having this conversation, but he didn't catch it. Just like last year, they blew it in the first week against the, the Cardinals and tied that game. So the Lions have now in their first, in, in the last two week one games, they've outscored their opponents 40 to 12 in the first three quarters and have been outscored 39 to seven in the fourth quarter. Uh, Jamie Collins. Oh my God. I forgot about that. Was ejected for going up to a referee and attempting to show him how another player lowered his head to initiate contact. He made a little contact with the referee and the referee ejected him. Uh, by the way, you're leaving out the best part. The referee pulled the Jalen Ramsey and sort of flopped like when he got hit. By the way, Jamie Collins agent David Cantor went bananas on Twitter, like oh, dropping f bombs like crazy. Like, you, are you kidding me? You can't do that. And wow. it's just the Lions just unraveled. The Lions can like, I don't know if I give the Bears credit. I mean, I give the Bears some credit because they came back, but this is just a, the like Detroit completely unraveling. It was humiliating. It's a, I mean, they're 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 a joke. Why? Why? Patricia did have a good a good quote there about DeAndre Swift. I'll give him that. Did you see that? Oh, what did he say? He said, uh, I put my arm around him as soon as we got to the tunnel, walked up the tunnel with him and told him he's a great player. The game's not on him. It's on me, which is true. 
What if DeAndre Swift would have been like, well, I hope they fire you. <laughs> uh, Eric Silius on, on the uh, post-game show made a pretty good point. He said if DeAndre Swift was wearing his Georgia, Georgia uniform, he definitely catches that ball. You could lie the Lions. DeAndre Swift had three carries for eight yards. You know who the Lions' leading rusher was? Oh Adrian Peterson. What was their plan a week ago? Like, what was this team <laughs> planning to do at running back? Was Matt Stafford going to throw sixty-five passes? You're literally you're waiting for a thirty-five-year-old to be cut by what was one of the worst teams in the NFL last year. You pick him up, and now he's the star of your offense? Like, that's not a game plan. That doesn't work. What What are you thinking? What is going on in Detroit? I don't get it. Even worse, DeAndre Swift and Carryon Johnson, the last three years, are both second-round picks as running back. They combined, right. they combined to have 10 carries, and AP, as Breach pointed out, had 14. It's, 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 almost, it's almost inexplicable. I'm trying to look up and see who was come, came right after – the, uh, let's see, wait. Oh, I guess, uh, I guess carry on Johnson was 2018. Right. But right after DeAndre Swift taking Xavier McKinney, Cal Duggar, Yeda Gross Matos, who's very good. It looks like he'll be good. Uh, Robert Hunt, Ross Blacklock, Jonathan Taylor, LaVisca Chenault, Cole Komet, Grant Delpit, Antonio Winfield. I mean, they're just players on here that you could have had. Galladay also didn't play on Sunday, but again, no excuse for losing. I think they win that game with Galladay. They should have won the game anyway. I mean, they were up by what? How many points were they up the first half? They're up 23 to six in the fourth quarter. So let me ask you this. By the way, the guy that, uh, Anthony Miller, who scored the game winning touchdown was taking, uh, eight picks after carry on Johnson. If you're up 23 to six in the fourth quarter and you're any team at any level and you're facing Mr. Bisky, your chances of winning that football game are about 99.9%. It was actually 98%. They, they showed the red zone showed the winning, the winning percentage. The wind exp- wind expectancy or whatever it was ninety eight percent. Well, wind over Wilson was ninety nine point nine, so we're close. <laughs> they lost. It's humiliating. All right, I thought one of the most interesting plays in that game, real quick, was third and five. That Stafford threw an interception, set up the Bears touchdown that they eventually won with, and uh, they could have run it and made the Bears use their final timeout. They didn't. Stafford threw an interception, uh, but I didn't pick the lines to win the division, so I don't care. Trubisky was eight of twenty in the first half. 12 of 16 in the second with three touchdowns. So he's, oh. he's thrown for three touchdowns in four of six meetings against the Lions. He's a Lions killer. I, I would not, say. I would not look at this as the Lions are trash and the Bears. You look at it as, you look at it as like, all right, if the Lions want to win this division or want to compete for a playoff spot, which is not out of the question still, that you can't have these losses. Like, like, I mean, you just have to put teams away. You have to learn how to win. We keep saying that about this Matt Patricia team, and they keep losing these games. Maybe they'll learn how to win next week when they play the Packers. <laughs> I was going to say before you mentioned the, the nice before you mentioned the Lions. Uh, is there anything to take away about Mitch Trubisky year three putting it together or not? I've, t- I've been telling you since the offseason, since before Bleep quit, that they're going to they're going to franchise tag him. He played better though. He played better of the last. He should have picked up his fifth year option so they wouldn't have to spend more on him. There is nothing Ryan Pace would love more than to have to give, and this is year four for Trubisky, than to have to give Trubisky a, is that right? Yeah. Oh, Mahomes, year, it's, it? year, it's year four. Okay. Cause they were eligible for a contract extension. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, there's nothing Ryan Pace would love more than to give Mitchell Trubisky $40 million a year. You know what? You know who, like, Matt Nagy. What would, what would his, what would, if they go to the playoffs and they win 10 games and Trubisky throws for, 
4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, which is just Blake. You're Bortles. not giving him more than 25 million, no matter what. If I, that is not true. He will get $35 million a year. No way on planet Earth. You were crazy. He is not getting more than $25 million a year. Not a bet. If, if, yes. If, no team is giving him more than $25 million. All right, Bre- Breach, how much would you pay if you need a quarterback desperately next year? Let's say you're uh, the Jaguars because Gardner Minshew doesn't work out and you don't have the first overall pick. How much are you paying Mitch Trubisky? Uh, is this Mitch Trubisky the first three quarters or three touchdown passes well, in the fourth quarter, I'm Trubisky? Saying, I'm What's saying the, Trubisky has a monster year. Well, give us the numbers that you mentioned a second. 4,000 passing yards and 30, t- 30 passing touches, 30 passing if, if he has a monster year and the Bears go 10 and 6, he's getting at least 30 million a year. Okay. I want to know who's paying him that money because. I mean, Jacoby Brissett's making $27 million a year. Like, I would rather have Jacoby Brissett. I mean, like, this bomb Carson Wentz is getting $32 million a year. Like, Trubisky's getting more than that. <laughs> but All I right. do think it'll, it'll Speaking be. Speaking of which. All right. Go ahead. The Washington football team. Washington football team. All right. Fire up Debo's mic and let's bring him in because this is depressing. There is. Oh, man. First of all, the Washington football team who put 29 uh, characters in their incident. I mean, Washington football team established like 1932. They won 27 to 17 in a rousing victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. To win Ron Rivera's debut game for for Washington, uh, Dwayne Haskins seventeen of thirty one for one hundred seventy eight and a touchdown. I thought was actually kind of impressive with the way he played uh, at various points uh, during that game. Washington, of course, won the pl- uh, covered plus five and a half. The over forty one and a half snuck in barely on a late field goal uh, by Washington. Carson Wentz was the top fantasy performer with sixteen points, which is also roughly how many times he was sacked. Dallas Goddard, 16 points. Dwayne Haskins, 14. Peyton Barber found the end zone, 14 points as well. Uh, I think, so I think the two main, the, the main takeaway, the, the two main takeaways I have, one for each team, sort of dovetail into each other. And it's that Washington's defensive line in their front, their front four, their, just their pass rush in general is terrifying. Woot, woot, big trust. Yeah. But, the Eagles offensive line is a big, big, big problem. And Carson Wentz trying to hold the ball and make plays, not doing himself any favors. They jumped out to a big lead. Jalen Rager had a huge chunk play. They were taking shots down the field and then Washington just poured it on. I mean, like, so I had, I was sitting at my desk where I'm, I'm like sitting where in the same spot when I'm watching TV earlier, like watching the games. I got a TV right here by my desk and two TVs over there against the wall. Mm, humble brag. <laughs> None of those TVs are, are newer than like 12 years. Go ahead. But they're all big screens. <laughs> um, and I had, I got my feet on my desk watching the, the red zone over here. I had the, the Eagles in the Washington football game on the right. I kept thinking it was a highlight montage of Carson Wentz getting sacked. It's like <laughs> every time you just glance, like you look over, it's just Carson Wentz getting mauled. By a, a Washington football team defensive lineman. Can we please get a nickname? Guys, please. This is, it's be a pain. Um, if you look at it, Carson, Carson Wentz was sacked. I believe eight was the tally. Wasn't eight, it eight times, eight times, eight times and, uh, tw- 14 quarterback hits. That is a lot for a guy who, as we all know, Debo can't stay healthy. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm shocked he stayed healthy through that game. Jalen Hurts, uh, healthy scratch from that one. So not necessarily what you want to see from your second round pick to start, but it feels, uh, feels pretty awful to hang on to this, this hope throughout an entire pandemic and, and just be real hyped for the start of the season and then lose week one to a team that has no name. Uh, that kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, I didn't expect on September 13th to be telling myself, oh, it's, it's sick. The NFC has seven playoff teams this year. Like that's what I'm telling myself already. But, um, <laughs> Carson Wentz definitely partially to blame. He needs to be better, but I don't know how you operate with that offensive mm-hmm. line. I think pregame, I think the fan base was ready to have these built in excuses because of the injuries. No Miles Sanders in this game. And obviously. I didn't Austin think Scott. Right. Lane, Lane Johnson, I think is the biggest omission. Whenever you're missing him, it changes the entire dynamic of the team. I wasn't ready to accept those excuses because even with those people missing, I thought you beat the Washington football team. If you want to be a contender of any sense, you beat the Washington football team. So and they were no 17 nothing. Felt yeah. like the game was over. I mean, the first touchdown was a great catch by Zach Ertz. Like, okay, this, this is how this is going to go. And Zach Ertz was super pumped because, you know, reportedly there was, he was had a heated conversation with, with Howie Roseman about the contract. Uh, and, and then good Lord almighty, Jack Driscoll, the, the rookie from Auburn actually had to start for Lane Johnson. Other guys who didn't play Javon Hargrave. Was he injured, Debo? He was out. I was looking forward to seeing him play. He wasn't that Derek Barnett? Me, you've told Miles me about Sanders. him all, all off season. I was looking forward to Hargrave. Uh, and then Driscoll went out. So it's, it, it's tough. Carson Wentz has definitely got to operate, but I'd like to see any quarterback in the league operate behind that line. And, and, you know, you might get out of it and not take eight sacks, but you're throwing the ball away and we're, and we're still criticizing your play for not getting anything done. Let's name, name this tweeter. Carson Wentz is hurting his team. Point blank. He's hurting the team. Only reason Washington's in the game is Wentz. Oh, that must be is that DK? No. That one of our resident Eagles fans, one of our mini Eagles fans here it's, at CBS Sports. I would say CBS Sports personality. Someone who is known it would be surprising <laughs> to be told this person was tweeting this as as recently as one PM today. <laughs> That's right. Who is it? Dan Orlovsky. Oh, I was going to guess Dan. Oh, you hate to see it, Dan. Dan has been uh, Carson Wentz's personal PR manager for the past several months and explained to people why Carson is great and Dak stinks or Dak is worse than Carson. And uh, by 3.11 p.m., he had to come out and, and, and admit that Carson Wentz was playing very poorly. I do agree, though, Debo. Like, the game – why is Carson Wentz – how on earth – can you be in a game where you are leading 17 nothing with seven minutes to go in the third, in the first, in the second quarter, excuse me. And your quarterback and, and you don't have a running back who attempts more than 10, 10 rushes and your quarterback throws 42 times. That is irresponsible. <laughs> that's, that's fair. He threw a pick right before the half that, uh, Washington converted into a touchdown and I really think got the momentum going for them. Haskins was belief that they could actually do something. Right. And that defense is, is absolutely scary. Um, I, I cannot argue with that, but just adjust, adapt. You should not be blowing a 17 point lead to Dwayne Haskins and that offense, even when you're facing that defense. 
Can I point well, something out? No, you, absolutely not. Not on a podcast. So here, here's, you may recall Breach, uh, one of the many millions of mock drafts we did every Monday leading up to the actual draft and some, some butthole took Tua Tonga by Loa with the Redskins pick at number two overall. There he is. Right uh, there. Hit the button. Hit the button. <laughs> Ryan said the R word. Oh, oh, dang it. You did. You did say it. We need right, to get I'll get the tote board in a second. Put it in the but, jar. My, my point is, uh, as I update the tote, the tote board there, I'm at five now. Good lord. Brent's is going to be. You actually have an updating tote board? Yeah, I said it five times after saying no moron would keep saying the word. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but the, but the, but the point is that, you know, we did have conversations. Should they take two? Uh, we don't know about doing Haskins. Chase Young was such a layup at number two. It was such, it's one of the easiest picks you'll ever make. He had two strip sacks today. Debo's talking about how the whole defensive line was terrorizing Carson Wentz. He was a big part of that. He stood out early and often, and, and that was such a simple pick, and he didn't overcomplicate it when you made the pick, and paying dividends immediately from day one. And I'm going to say real quick, I absolutely put this loss on Doug Peterson. It's kind of funny that uh, Doug Peterson's facing Sean McVay next week, because maybe we'll find out who the better coach is. But Brenton, I really think you hit the nail on the head with this. Why did the Eagles only run the ball 17 times? If you are fa- if your offensive line is getting manhandled by a defensive line, if your quarterback is getting maimed by a defensive line, you can't ask him to drop back and pass, throw the ball 42 times. You can't throw 42 passes and only run the ball 17 times. Or if you're going to throw 42 passes, you've got to put screens in there, draws in there, hand the ball. You've got to do anything you can think of to slow down the defensive line so your quarterback is not continuously taking these hits. And because Carson Wentz took these hits, that is why Washington won. I thought this game, this game did not teach me anything about Washington. Their longest touchdown drive was 48 yards. Everything was set up by something bad that Philadelphia did. It was two interceptions. Uh, then there was one drive where they're buried so back in their own territory that, uh, Washington's next drive started inside the 50 following a punt. So they didn't really do anything uh, that said, Hey, look, they were the better team in this game. All I saw was, Washington's defensive line won this because Doug Peterson, I don't know if it was like uh just big head that he was just too arrogant saying, hey, we can throw the ball and win. He couldn't. They didn't, and because of it, they lost. Does uh, yeah. Does the fact that uh Zach Ertz had three catches for 18 yards and Dallas Goddard had eight catches for 101 yards, does that say anything to you, Debo? Did Ertz, it stick it to you? Ertz had a crucial drop on a fourth and three to – really extend the game when the Eagles were down 24-17. And at that point, uh, you know, I think Howie Roseman is is saying something to himself up in the box or wherever he's watching because Dallas Goddard was was the best tight end on the Eagles mm-hmm. today. But, yeah, I think to Breach's point, I think it was arrogance all around from Peterson, from Wentz, Ooh. just thinking that he can extend. Trust me, I'm still, you know, this, this offseason shrine to Wentz is still being built. It's not going <laughs> to be just torn down in one week. But uh, discouraging week one. Okay, so I don't think that the Washington football team is going to beat anybody like the Ravens, who they play in three weeks because of their defensive line. But if this team can play uh, opponents with bad offensive lines and bad defenses, of which there are many in the NFL, that's half the National Football League. This team and, the, but, but, but also, the, the coach the coach has to be arrogant also and insist on their game plan working, even if it's not working. Well, so I'm sort of thinking, so they play the, the Cardinals in Arizona next week, and I, I don't know that that's a perfect matchup, 
I think Arizona's defense is pretty good and Kyler's mobile and all that, but the, their offensive line's not very good. They play the Browns in Cleveland the week after that. I can that. see them destroying Baker Mayfield. Uh huh. Like the Brown, I mean, the Browns offensive line is definitely better, but it's not great. They had the Giants twice in the span of four weeks. In fact, here, listen to this. So they have, this is their schedule from October 18th through, uh, through no, all right. Yeah. They get the Giants, Cowboys, Cowboys offensive line doesn't look great. Giants again, Lions, Bengals, and then the Cowboys again. I feel like this team could win six games now. Oh. I was just going down the schedule. I see a path to eight wins. Like, that's uh, not that crazy. Like, I, this is, this is, if we were doing like a, like hot take or just right situation for this podcast, hot take or just right. The Washington football team can win the NFC East. Stop it. What, what is going on? Why not? <laughs> are the Eagles good? No. The Eagles are banged up. If they get healthy, they'll be fine. The, the Cowboys are ba- always banged yeah, up. Yeah, but they're, yeah, they're always, they're not going to get healthy. That's the Eagles. That's lost, the nature of the Eagles. The Cowboys lost three starters for the next, like, and by the way, we're, we're recording this before the Giants probably end up beating the Steelers. So then we'll have to rejigger <laughs> the whole conversation. But we'll be talking, I'm sure, tonight or tomorrow night. Yeah, tonight because it's already Monday morning at 2 a.m. Brenton, who'd uh, you pick to win the NFC East? The Cowboys. Would you switch your pick right yeah. now if you could? If, if, if I knew what happened in, in this game in week one, I would definitely do like an insane thing and pick the Washington football team. Washington's in first place. The Cowboys are tied for last place. If, as of right this second, would you change your pick? Do I, let's say, let's say you're, are you offering me, what odds would you offer me to bet on the Washington football team to win the division right now? Two to one. No, that's not high enough. You just talked about how awesome they are. Four to one. I would do, I would bet four to one. Yeah. Oh, I would, I would make that bet with you. <laughs> it's like the Trubisky bet. Let's do 10 bucks. <laughs> 10 bucks. Oh my God. Someone write uh, this down. Are we recording yeah, this? We got a $10 bet. Still, you still owe me the Trubisky bet too. So are you 10 bucks? Are you 15? You can Venmo, Venmo on 15 at the end of the year. That's right. All right. Moving along. Yeah. Throwing ten dollars away. The Jaguars beat the Colts twenty-seven to twenty. Oh my god! I mean, I don't know what to tell you about this. The Jaguars covered the plus seven. They obviously won outright. Over a forty-four and a half hit. Bunch of overs hit this week. Um, Gardner Minshew was awesome. Twenty-five fantasy points. Awesome. You know how many incompletions he threw? One. One. Ninety-five percent completion. Nineteen of twenty for one hundred seventy-three yards and three touchdowns, including a touchdown pass to DJ Chark. DJ Chark. He also hit Lavisca Chenault, which caused fantasy football Twitter to lose its collective mind. And uh Naheem Hines, eighteen fantasy points. Philip Rivers, sixteen fantasy points. I, I don't know. I don't know. I. I don't know what to also, say. Also, bad news. Marlon Mack looks like he's done for the year with Achilles. He's done for the year with Achilles injury. They have Jonathan Taylor and Hines. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, Rivers got the ball. He stinks. Down. And I'm angry because I, I was all in on Phillip Rivers in this team. And he said, Hey, it's still the same Phillip Rivers. I just changed uniforms. I will say that I think I picked the Jaguars who went outright on the site. What'd you do? I that? just don't care that you're. Frank Reich was literally saying, Hey, are, we're a rushing team and you know what you're, you signed Phillip Rivers. You know what you get. You're getting this gunslinger who's going to throw interceptions in bad spots, but also give you a ton of passing yards. 
But if you want to be a rushing team because you had that depth, then be a rushing team. You don't go out there and throw the ball 46 times and only run the ball 22 times. Keep the ball out of Phillip Rivers' hands. Only let him touch it when he absolutely needs to. Like, I thought the biggest play of this game, the Colts went up 7 to nothing. They were driving to take a 14 nothing lead. They had a first and goal at Jacksonville's three-yard line. You have three really good running backs. Use them. But instead, they didn't use them. And uh, Phillip Rivers threw an interception on that drive. Instead of 14 nothing. It's still seven nothing. Jacksonville goes down and scores. Now it's seven to seven. And at that point, Jacksonville's like, all right, well, we can, we can play with this team. And then Rivers throws another ugly interception. It was just, it was disastrous. I mean, it this was the, the, the problem was it was like, all right, Rivers got the ball and our, you know, the running gag is like, all right, Rivers has the ball late in games. He's got to throw a backbreaking pick. And it was like, okay, is it a Chargers thing or a Rivers thing? And the Chargers won late and, and Rivers and Rivers didn't. And by the way, the Chargers won. We'll talk about it later. They won anti-Rivers, playing anti-Rivers football, which is what we knew they would do. So I I, look, Frisco and Jamie and and Costas have been blitzkrieging me about the the Colts Super Bowl pick. I get it. Bad week for them. Um, You made worse picks. Yeah, I made worse picks. I definitely thought they could lose this game in Jacksonville. This it's their first week with they're on like I probably gave Rivers too much credit for being able to acclimate quickly to this team. You know, it's. Nobody's blasting Tom Brady for losing. Yeah, I was thinking about that while Breach was talking a moment ago. But, I mean, no one among the three of us, I would imagine, or probably most people on planet Earth, feel they're not more concerned about Tom Brady than they are about Phil Rivers. They they probably feel, myself included, that Phil Rivers is who we thought he was. Tom Brady will rebound. By the way, Rivers actually completed 96.6% of his passes against the Cardinals in 2018. Minshew just under that. Marcus Mariota and Drew Brees also in the top three there. Leviscus Chenault, just the sixth Jaguar score receiving touchdown his debut. Uh, Rashad Green in 2015 was the last. Rivers on his touchdown said, or his interception said, yeah, the second one, yeah, I, I, I'd like to have that back. But I, I didn't think I was being reckless. This is a decision you had to make a heat of it. Certainly those terms hurt. So imagine a guy with 11 kids who dresses super conservatively, wears a bolo tie, is more – Footloose and fancy free than that caveman Gardner Minshew who outplayed him every step of the way. Great game by Minshew. We don't talk enough about how, how good he played. We're already a we being me. I'm using the royal we here. I have Trevor Lawrence going number one overall in my, my first mock draft of the Absolutely. season. Gardner, look, man. Gardner's got something to say. go to the Jaguars. Jaguars won't be the worst team in football. That's right. They won't. And look, the Jaguars are going to be like the Panthers a little bit. I think they'll be feisty in games, score a lot of points. And they're just going to have to hope for some breaks on the defensive side of the ball. Let's move on. Cardinal, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And real quick, I messed up my notes. Uh, when the Colts were down Jacksonville's three yard line, they failed on a fourth down. It wasn't a Phillip Rivers interception. Rivers threw an interception on the next possession in right. Indy territory. And then the Jags scored a couple of plays later. And then that is what tied the game. Not mentioned in all this, by the way, T.Y. Hilton had a horrific drop Ooh. that set up the fourth down that four, you know, sort of didn't, not, not doing Rivers any favors there. Cardinals 24, 49ers 20. All right, if I'm going to take these beatings, I'm going to step up and tell y'all, I have the Cardinals in first place, son. And they're right there. They're tied for first place with the Seahawks. They're in last place. Whoops. Cardinals covered six and a half. And this and tied one, with the Rams. Don't forget the Rams. Right, three-way tie in first. That's right. Um, one-way tie in last. The <laughs> under a 48 hit. Uh, Kyler Murray, 28 fantasy points. Jimmy Garoppolo, 22 fantasy points. Raheem Mostert, 20 points. Is this... Um, does this raise any red flags for you guys about the San Francisco 49ers? 
Go ahead, Breach. I didn't get to watch a lot of this game because I was actually working while you guys were landing. I would say yes, it does. If I am a 49ers fan, I am very concerned by what I saw because you look at what the 49ers did. Uh, like they, they scored a touchdown, I think, on a 75-yard pass. 76-yard pass to Raheem 76-yard pass. That was their entire offense. I think about 30% of their offensive yards in this game came on that pass, the offense completely disappeared in the second half. Whatever the Cardinals ruined to George Kittle, double teaming, triple teaming, they absolutely shut him down. You had Debo Samuel not playing. Garoppolo had no idea where to throw the ball. And so he just looked absolutely flummoxed out there, just looking around, couldn't do anything. Uh, I mean, the 49ers offense basically sputtered in the second half. And I, I really thought the other part of this was that Cliff Kingsbury knows how to use DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if Bill O'Brien was taking notes or maybe could have learned something from watching this game. DeAndre Hopkins caught, what, 14 passes, which was more than every Texans receiver caught combined against the Chiefs in week one. That was a career high for DeAndre Hopkins. And you know what? One thing we have talked about this offseason is that the 49ers defense, if there's one thing that struggles to do, is stop mobile quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray just ran circles around him. That was a big reason. Every time they, they needed a big stop to get off the field, they couldn't do it. Uh, Kyler rushed for 91 yards on just 13 carries, and that was a big reason why the Cardinals won. So absolutely, I would say yes. I, I'm concerned about the, I'm more concerned about the 49ers than I am the Buccaneers. Well, I would, I would note this. I, I did see, uh, these highlights. Uh, number one, George Kittle went out with a, a hyperextended knee, and that was on a medicine ball from Jimmy G. If Jimmy G had thrown the ball properly, he wouldn't have had to jump in the air and get jacked up. So he went out and he didn't come back. He was, when he came back, he wasn't the same. Um, you mentioned Debo Samuel not there. Brandon Ayuk also didn't play. So those are three of the best players on that team, obviously. And that's, that's a three huge pass. So th- that's clearly an issue. But, uh, I mean, you're right about Dre Hopkins. He had 16 targets. I would imagine Devontae was the only other person that had more targets. He had 17. So clearly, uh, there's some crazy game plan in, 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 uh, Green Bay and Arizona where you target your best players. And that, that's, that's a shot at Billy O'Brenson there. Do you but, remember, do you remember that 30 seconds or like the 15 minutes or whatever it was where, you're like, well, maybe Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing when, yeah, when, when, uh, when, um, David Johnson scored that touchdown. Yeah. That's that was literally 30 seconds, but no hats off to Brinson for calling this out with, uh, and I think we all thought that the Cardinals would be better. We shouldn't know how much better in this tough division, but I do feel like the 49ers could be, if they had a little backslide. It wouldn't shock me, but I mean, sort of like the Eagles, they're down with some injuries. Also, Brinson, you didn't point this out yet. Trent Williams, comeback player of the year is looking good. You see that? Steamrolling, he put on whoever that poor staff was. He killed somebody. <laughs> He's awesome. Yeah, I just think the 49ers are kind of banged up right now. I would also say that, I mean, like Byron Murphy had a huge pass breakup on fourth down late in the game. He played right, right. well. Buda Baker is awesome. Chandler Jones is great. I mean, like, I think the Cardinals defense is, a, is I mean, they held the 49ers at 20 points. I know they're missing a bunch of players, but like, that's an impressive feat to hold a Kyle Shanahan offense to 20 points. It, when, when, you know, they had, uh, they had scored what? They were up to 13 with, you know, late in the second quarter on a, after a Robbie Gold field goal. I mean, they had, like, like Breach points out, they had that one long touchdown pass and that was it. Uh, Jared McKinnon also scored later, uh, to, to give him a 20 to 17 lead. I, I think the Cardinals are, are a thing. Again, yeah. I mean, you're, it's weak. Yeah, right. Of course. But it, it was good. It was good to see. All right. They'll lose to Washington next week. Who we'll like, is Cliff Kingsbury on the hot seat? Oh my God! If they beat Washington. You will be all in on the Redskins. Uh, ah! Ding, ding, ding! On them winning the division. Bum, bum, ba, dum. 
<laughs> I, I will say I said I was concerned about the 49ers. I just looked at their schedule. I'm no longer concerned. Their next four games are Jets, Giants, Eagles, Dolphins. They are seven-point favorites at the Jets. Is that high enough? They're playing in the same stadium two games in a row. They play the Jets they and have Giants. They fly back and forth. Both on the road. No, they don't. They're going to stay. Yeah. They got like an exemption. They're staying. Yeah, uh, Ryan at the at, in room 352. <laughs> Come on over. In. Charger. Oh. Oh, from happy from the joy. Jeez, is this game next? It is. My so God. it was not. Did you, watch, did you watch this game at all, Brinson? Oh, I watched a ton of it. What was your favorite part? I'll tell you. My that. favorite part, Ryan, was the, very, the kicker faked having a cramp after he missed. No, was, the very. You no, know, I'll tell you what my favorite part was. It was this. Oh, he missed. He missed. <laughs> oh, he may have pulled a hamstring. <laughs> That is classic. But here's the thing. By the way, we have to get Kevin Harlow on this podcast. Oh, I want to be there for that. Typically, I don't like to be around for. He would. I think he would do it. Um. Well, Mike Golick didn't do it, so hopefully Kevin Harlow will. Well, I was DMing with Kevin Harlow the other day because I. There it is. There it is. Oh, I I complimented his um, his announcing in the in the NBA bubble because he's freaking great at it. He is. He's awesome. He's an awesome announcer. And, and now he, he, he sent me a DM. I was like, thank you very much. I was like, no problem. And I wanted to be like, you know, we play your, your voice on the podcast, like 12 times a show. So the greatest, I mean, that the, the greatest part of the game is that call right there. But the second greatest part is that Randy built the kicker. He missed that inexplicably missed that field goal. And breach. You probably saw these comments said he got literally got a cramp mid kick. It never happened to him before. And he honked it. And then he grabbed his, you cannot, I don't care if you get shot in the calf mid-kick. You cannot grab your calf after you miss a 31-yard field goal to win the game. You just have to sit there and bleed out. But that's what he did, and they lost. Breach, how did you feel? Okay, so clearly clearly the Bengals lost. But here's we have to back up because A.J. Green arguably got screwed up a touchdown. So, Breach, how did you feel from that call, and how did you feel confidence-wise going into that kick from 31 yards out to tie it? By, by the way, just to, before before you answer, Breach, uh, I'll point out that this game uh, finished 16-13 Chargers over the Bengals. Chargers covered, of course, the minus two and a half, snuck through it. The under of 41 was a stone cold lock. <laughs> Joe Burrow, the 15 points, uh, top fantasy performer. Joshua Kelly, interesting little name and probably a waiver wire ad, uh, but, you know, not not what you wanted out of Joe Burrow's debut. Um, you know what, Brinson? It was what I wanted without the win. I get everything except for the win. I'm going to forget the last 10 seconds of this Is Joe game. Joe Burrow good? Even happened. Here's, he here's, I'm going to say three things about this game because if I think too much about it, it's going to make me mad. And then you're going to have to beat Debo's going to have to bleep me out because I'm going to start cussing. Oh, he, missed. he missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a hamstring or a. I'm going to pull a hamstring talking about this game. That is what is going to happen. I've literally never heard of anyone having a cramp in their plant leg as they go up to kick a field goal. And what happens to me, he knew he missed it right away. And that's the classic, like, you know, when you're a kid and you get burnt, whether it's on the basketball court or a football game, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I'm injured. That's what it feels. This is insanity. I'm Um, I'm muting my mic and laughing. I'm sorry. Here's what Here's what I'll say real quick, though, is number one, the Bengals defense played much better 
Ben, I thought the Bengals defense was going to be horrible. I thought they were going to give up 500 yards to the tar- Chargers. I didn't think uh, they were going to be able to stop anything. That, you know, like Keenan Allen didn't do much in this game. There wasn't uh, a ton of offense from the Chargers. So I was the impressed. Chargers with- not good. It's the Chargers. You know, like you're making all these excuses for these other so, teams. Can we, so instead of using like the, dunk, can we like have a separate dunk on for breach? If now it's like. If I miss a prediction. So breach, um, just walk me through the, the, like the, you can talk about what happened with, with AJ Green. Walk me through the, the, what you felt then and then the confidence you had in Randy Bullock making that kick to tie it. All right. So let's set the stage here because the Chargers were up 16 to 13. The Bengals took over with 308 left in the fourth quarter. In my head, I'm thinking Joe Burrow's the man. If he scores a touchdown on this drive, Make him the mayor of Cincinnati. Make him the governor of Ohio. Give him all the government jobs. Let him be the most popular person in the world because that's that's something that the Bengals franchise needs, the fans need. This would have been a great time uh, for him to come through like something like this. And you know what he did? He drove straight down the field. He drove them straight down the field. I think he threw for about 70 yards. It was like eight of nine, I think, on the drive. So he couldn't miss. He did his job. I thought the A.J. Green call was horse manure. Uh, <laughs> Which one was worse, Gallup or A.J. Green? Gallup. I think Gallup was worse. When they Here's, showed the replay of Green, it was like, uh, I mean, you can't. He but did, Casey he Hayward, like, like, wrapped around A.J. Green first, and Green was, like, trying to get him off. I'm like, hey, man, why are you wrapping around me? And so that's one of those that. Neither, neither should have been called. Right. It, I thought both of them, uh, uh, in both instances, you had the defensive back and the wide receiver jostling with each other and you don't throw a flag you either throw two flags and you offset and you make them do it over again if they had done that i'd be okay with that but you don't call interference and certainly not offensive interference in both situations like when's the last time offensive interference got the call at the end of two games in the same week never sanity sunday so when they line up in the field i mean so that it happened with 12 seconds on the clock. That yeah, never so, happens. Well, yeah, it happened on Sunday night as well in the Dallas game. But, uh, yeah, so Breach is going crazy, jumping around, high-fiving his, his five-month-old daughter. And then for the first time in her young life, she and realizes Jesus. that she's a, she's a Bengals fan. Because And you know what? So as, as Bullock is lining up for this field goal, I almost tweeted out, the most, this is 31 yards. This is a gimme. This is a gimme. I can hit this left-footed. I couldn't hit this left-footed. But it's a gimme. And I almost tweeted out the most Bengals thing ever would be Randy Bullock missing. Yes, I probably I wouldn't throw her unless there's a trampoline right. behind the uprights. Then maybe right. I would. I'll do a bouncy house, of course. I'm just saying, like it's not it's not for. But I will the th- point here is, in my head, I thought my first thought was he's going to miss this. That's like but, Rivers got the ball, and I was like, he's yeah. missing the pick. Exactly. Thing. You know, it's like. Randy- it's like Randy Bullock is the Philip Rivers of kickers. <laughs> now we now know. I will say this about Joe Burrow. I thought he played well given the circumstances. He had a terrible pick and he would admit as much, but otherwise I thought he did pretty well. The offensive line, they were getting ragdolled, but I mean, Melvin Ingram, Nick Bosa, Jerry Tillery had a sack. So he, he so, didn't have a uh, lot of time. Brandon Thorne at established, does, at established a run does offensive line, defensive line mismatches. Yeah. This is the number one mismatch on this, on this sheet. And it looked like it. Joe Mixon had a terrible fumble. Didn't help either. So I, I there are a lot of things. Some like bad it. turnovers. But you know what Zach Taylor did? He didn't keep trying to throw the ball like Doug Peterson uh, when he realized that his offensive line was being outgunned. He, he They did run the ball 28 times. 
By the way, Joe, uh, AJ Green said of Joe Burrow on his late game poise. It's unbelievable. That guy don't flinch. The way he handled himself in that last drive is unbelievable. We have a special one of Joe. I tend to agree. Like, I think it's one where if you look at the stats, like if you just box score scout, you're going to, you're not going to be thrilled with Burrow. He's 23 of 36, 193 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, 66 passer rating. Obviously, he ran, you know, he ran eight times for 46 yards for a, including that 23 yard touchdown run to get things started with the draw. I mean, like that, like he just has it. You can, he just has it. Now, I don't know if Cincinnati will ruin it for him and they need to get the offensive line. It has to be better, but you can tell he has it. I think after that field goal miss, Joe Burrow was like reading his contract, thinking like, can I trade myself to another team? Like, can I not play for the Bengals? I need to call Carson Palmer, see how he got out of Cincinnati. No, that no, stop it, John. Don't be that guy. Meanwhile, I thought, um, I thought Tyrod Taylor did exactly what we thought Tyrod Taylor was going to do. And they ran the ball a lot. And Anthony Lynn, uh, did the anti Phillip Rivers offense and it worked. And the defense did a lot of the heavy lifting and they did it without Derwin James. We'll see how long, how much longer and successfully they're able to do that. All right. Ravens 38, Browns six. I mean, not, a, we don't have to whole, spend a whole lot of time on this. But the Ravens cover the minus seven. Obviously, the under actually hit, surprisingly. Lamar Jackson, 33 fantasy points. He dominated again. Mark Andrews, 17 fantasy points. J.K. Dobbins, a pair of touchdowns. Uh, Mark Andrews asked after the game about Lamar. To me, he's obviously the best player in the world, and his arm reflects that. Uh, both Ronnie Stanley and Jedrick Willis got injured during this game. It felt a lot like a Charlie Brown situation where you're running up full of optimism about the Browns and the ball gets yanked away. This was, this was taking the Browns plus the points was the stupidest pick I made all week. You did that. I mean, yeah. yeah Debo just put this note in Slack and I, I said it about 12 times on, on, on HQ on Sunday revisiting this game. The Ravens have scored 38 points in three, at least 30 points in the last three week one games. And the, 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 the Browns are now. 16 straight losses in season openers. That's how uh, not just 16 straight losses. Brinson bet on a team that is, <laughs> that is one win. I, I didn't bet on it. I just picked it for them. One win, 20 losses and one tie since coming back to the NFL in 1999. That is their opening week record. And it flies in the face of everything I've been preaching about, about consistency at quarterback, offensive line, offensive coordinator and like quarterback. Like what? I mean, like the Browns have no consistency. So I noticed this. They're awesome. It's, it's stupid. It's stupid. I'm, I regret it. Two years ago, after Baker's, uh, after Baker's rookie season, we saw a lot of those commercials with him cutting the grass at the, the Browns stadium, all that. And then they took a year off when he had a crappy year. Now he's back again doing these commercials. Why don't we wait and see how Baker plays before we start putting them? I don't know why I need to see him on national television, uh, doing anything other than, than completing football. So he didn't play well. Odell Beckham didn't play well. Brinson also, who was the quarterback? You, who's the wide receiver we were talking about? You'd rather have Odell Beckham over? <laughs> who was the other one we were talking that about? Was Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen, exactly. Come on. I mean, yeah, you just made the face there. Keenan so, Allen didn't play well either. Odell got hurt, by the way. Marlon Humphrey locked him down. He got hurt. It's fine. And, and for people who didn't watch this game, just to put it in perspective, we're talking about how bad the Browns are in openers. In the first quarter alone, they threw an interception. They failed on a fake punt in their own territory, and they missed an extra point. And that interception was on the very first possession. Then later in the half, they missed a field goal. Uh, they had a fumble. It was just it was a total disaster. There was just no way the Browns were winning. It, it the like, Browns are seven point favorite to the Bengals on Thursday. That's unbelievable. Why, if you just did, did Nick Chubb just get paid? 
No. He hasn't gotten paid yet, has he? No. Kareem Hunt did. Kareem Hunt did. Why is Kareem Hunt carry 60 yards? They were, I mean, they were behind from Jump Street. They also like, faced a third and 41 at one point. Yeah, that was awesome. I saw that on the Twitter machines. I mean, it was 24 to six at half. At that point, it's over. The Ravens defensive line was getting after them. Uh, the Browns offensive line has improved, but they weren't, I mean, they weren't there. I mean, it was 10 six. Baker kind of kept it close and then the Ravens shut him out in the second half. The Ravens are awesome. They're you know how, on both uh, sides of the ball and they blew out a crappy Browns team. Plus the Ravens always dominate in the preseason. Harbaugh never loses. He always covers in the preseason. Why did I think that they weren't going to cover in week one? I don't know why you thought that. You know how Jameis Winston probably felt some vindication with the way Tom Brady played. Do you think that Freddie Kitchens is somewhere saying, see, I told you it ain't just me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody sucks. Right? <laughs> Every Browns coach that has lost in week one for the past 20 years was probably like Hugh Jackson. Who, who uh, was the one winner? Chudzinski. They're probably all watching this together. They probably all got together and watched this Browns opener. Like Kevin's going to join our group because he's probably going to be fired within the next three weeks. He's going to be lucky if he makes it through the year. Mm. Mm. Eight different coaches are involved in the 16 game winless streak of season openers. 14 different quarterbacks, including 13 different starters have played during that streak. The last quarterback to win a season opener for the Browns was. Give me the end of the year. 2004. 2004. I don't oh, know. The quarterback. quarterback and the coach. Tim Couchin. It was, uh, what's his face? The guy who coached at Miami. In Carolina. Yeah, in Carolina. Him. Butch Davis. Uh, <laughs> What'd you say? Butch Davis is correct. Tim Couch is not. Oh, um, Kelly Holcomb. That's oh, Jeff case. Garcia. That's right. Nice work. And the tie. Do you know who the tie was? Uh, Saints? It was against it was against the Steelers. Yeah, I think it was Hugh Jackson against the Steelers a few years that's ago. That's right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, then they played. Then they played the Saints and lost in like that late field goal. Yeah, yeah. that's right. They could have been. Oh, that's right. They could have been two and zero. Oh, that's right. <laughs> could have should have won. And then instead they just won one game in his two years. Um, <laughs> Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins became the first Ravens, the first running back in Ravens history with two plus rushing touchdowns in his rookie debut. Clearly, he's going to be involved in the goal line. Um, I don't I, look these. I would say this: the rookies. Very impactful in week one. Surprising. So if the uh, neutral field, I guess it doesn't matter, no fans. The, the Chiefs played the Ravens. Who are you taking right now? Chiefs. I might take the Ravens. I might take the Ravens. I might take the Ravens, too. Yeah, well, you guys are taking the wrong team then. All right. Seahawks 38, Falcons 25. The Seahawks cover the plus one. There's crazy steam on this game. The Falcons were dogs, and everybody was on the Falcons. Um, it got – uh then proceeded to uh, roll back where the Seahawks, it, it steamed to the Seahawks as, uh, as to the Falcons as favorites. The over of 49 hit easily. Russell Wilson, 38 fantasy points. Matt Ryan, 28 fantasy points. Calvin Ridley, 25. And Chris Carson, 18. Are the, are the Seahawks finally letting Russ cook? I love his stat line, 31 to 35. I mean, he had as many touchdowns as he did in completions. That's how good he is. So he had four touchdowns. No interceptions. I, I dropped this stat about 20 times as well. Since 2015, Russ has thrown four touchdowns, no interceptions, nine times, uh, which is the same as uh, Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers, and that's it. That's how good he is. Um, you know, we talk about him not getting any MVP votes, and, and that's a talking point. He is probably the most underrated player. We're talking about uh, Robert Woods being the most underrated wide receiver. He's the most underrated player in the NFL, and it's not even close. Here's a fun fact. About Russell Wilson, 31 of 35, all four incompletions were thrown when he was targeting DK Metcalf. Yeah. He went 27 of 27, throwing to every other person on the team. 
That is fun. And by the way, Metcalf had a couple drops. He did. He had one drop. Big touchdown catch. Think of your quarterback throwing four incompletions and you're responsible for two of them because you dropped them. And then the other two were if he throws by Russ. That was it. So Russell Wilson basically had two bad throws in this game. Are the Falcons the worst team in the NFC South? Yes. Uh, no, maybe not. I'll tell you this. They're going to be points scored in the NFC South. The Falcons defense is not. Why aren't the Falcons better? I don't know. Because they cut Laquan Treadwell. Oh, that's, that's a good point. I mean, they're, here's they're the thing is this was a classic Falcons game. This is like they shot themselves in the foot. They went for it on fourth down twice, didn't call great plays. They had a fake punt where they converted, and then the guy fumbled it after he got the first down, and the Seahawks recovered it. So it was just like every time they, they did something, you're like, oh, that's actually not bad. And they're like, oh, wait, no, that didn't work out at all, and now they're going to lose by 30. They had three different receivers with 100-plus yards. They had over 500 yards of total offense. <laughs> and they got smoked. There. I mean, it was never even close. They're, they're not. They're going to score a lot of points and lose a lot of games. I mean. Dan Quinn's going to get fired. you got to make an adjustment. All Matt right. Ryan threw 54 times. You know what? I mean, we talk about Matt Ryan being a really good quarterback. It's important to remember that he was drafted – uh, you know, a handful of picks before Joe Flacco. So, and Joe Flacco was washed. And that's no. Do you know who the Falcons play next week? Broncos. Ravens. The Cowboys. Oh boy, that means one of them's zero and two. It means one of them's zero and two, but that also means that game is going to be a shootout. Well, I mean, one of those teams can stop anybody. You want another fun fact? Sure. No, the Falcons you. are five and zero. Oh. Straight up and against the spread in week two over the past five years. I don't know. I like that stat. I don't know that the Cowboys are going to score a bunch of points. They didn't score any points against the Rams. I mean, look, the fact that the, at least the Falcons were able to hang some points on a, on a really good Seahawks defense is good, but I, Cowboys suddenly going to be good. Why is there a line for this game? Where's the, where's, where's the game in Dallas? In Dallas. I mean, I think the Falcons can put up points in the, in the Cowboys. It's going to be minus three and a half, Dallas. That's my line. But it's higher than that. Eh. 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 All right, what's next? All right, here it is. I found it. The, the over's 50? Yeah, I, I was not getting smashed. Found the over. The Falcons are going to score 50. Yeah, that might happen. I don't know how many. Cowboys, Cowboys. this is our friends from William Hill. Cowboys are six and a half. Ooh. Ooh, I love the Falcons. Do you say that? Say that out loud. Do you really love the Falcons? I probably should think about that. <laughs> like Breach, um, you should think about what you say before you verbalize it. Look, uh, Seahawks grabbing the Patriots next week over under 44. If the Seahawks are letting Russ cook, and it remains to be seen if they are actually doing that, then this is a, I mean, then it's a potential game changer. And Russ could be a maniac. Well, well I mean, I don't know. Let's, That's not the game you want to move But first. just the threat of letting Russ cook should open things up for Russell Wilson. Because now instead of the Seahawks coming to town and you're a defensive coordinator thinking, ah, it doesn't matter how good Russ is because they're just going to stick to their power running in. They're just going to run, 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 run. But now Russell Wilson throws it 35 times in week one. You have no idea what's going to happen. You don't know if they're going to run or throw it on you. They're throwing on first down. It makes it like when you're, if you're Russell Wilson and you're, and you're Seahawks, you're throwing on first down. It changes everything. Chris Carson's catching multiple touchdown passes. Like all of a sudden, it, I mean, like you feel like this team can be a lot more dynamic. Right. Russell was in total command of the game. Pete Carroll said total command. 
will be quick on this one. Bills 27, Jets 17. Woo, Jameson Crowder over receptions. Lock it in. Uh, the yeah, Jets was, are terrible. Yes, they are the they are the worst team in football, I feel like. They, it, I mean, they were getting stymied uh, drive after drive to start the game. Josh uh, Allen had two stupid fumbles of his own doing. They ran him so many. I don't know why Josh Allen ran the ball 14 times. You talk about Cam Newton, who didn't take a ton of hits. Uh, Any remotely good team beats the Bills today. Well, I, they did a lot of things well. Josh Allen made a lot of good throws. Stephon Diggs was targeted. John Brown had a big game. Cole Beasley played well. Dawson Knox looks like he's going to be good. But I don't know why they kept running him. I watched the first three quarters pretty closely, and he was taking huge hit after huge hit. And these weren't scrambles. These were designed runs. And the only reason the Jets scored right before halftime is because they kept fumbling the ball. The Jets are terrible. The offensive line isn't very good. There are no playmakers. Sam Darnold might be good in a good offense. You just never know. And I don't know how Adam Gase continues to be considered an offensive of guru so the jets ran on their first five drives <laughs> this is incredible they ran 17 plays for a total of 27 yards four punts one first down and one interception i think levy on bell up with a hammy but he had six carries for 14 yards i mean they're, they're bad. They are bad. The Bills' defense is really good, but the Jets are really The bad. Bills could have been up 35 to nothing at halftime if Josh Allen wasn't being ridiculous. You mentioned how often they were running. He had two absurd fumbles that should have never had. Like, these, we're talking like peewee football fumbles where you're a quarterback just running around because you think you're way more athletic than everybody else. And then you just like, someone pops the ball out because you're carrying it like a sack of bread. He also missed. And it happened twice. Wait. He missed like some some of these throws. He missed. John Brown, he was wide open in the end zone once in the second Austin half. I Knox, think. There's no one within like 30 yards of him. And I'm texting Prisco's of Josh Allenheimer. We're texting with him like, dude, come on. They, they, he asked me, he's like, he's rolling left. It's a tough throw. No, oh you got to make that throw. I, just, right. I just saw Debo's note. And let's go. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Yeah, we're done with this game. Uh, Raiders 34, Panthers 20. This is the last game. This is a fun game. Raiders cover the minus three. Boo. Uh, it's 34-30, actually, I think, right? 34-30. There it is. Finally, a mistake by Diva. 34-30. Raiders over the Panthers. Um, over the 48 cast. E he's a lead. The Panthers are going to cash a lot of overs this week, kids. Uh, was Prisco talking about that? That was his lock of the week, the over in the yeah, uh, mine, Panthers mine Raiders. Mine too. I loved it. Uh, Josh Jacobs, 31 points in fantasy. Christian McCaffrey, 24. Teddy Bridgewater, 18. Robbie Anderson, 17. Derek Carr, 15. Panthers offense looked good. Not great, but it looked good. Both of these teams are bad on defense. I watched this whole game. Both of these teams are terrible on defense. Both are going to be intriguing on offense. You want to buy, you want to buy Panthers overs. Bet the Panthers over when it comes out. Go bet it right now. It's like 47 against the Buccaneers. That was good. They're going to crush that. Uh, my only, I watched a little bit of this game. My only takeaway is, um, John Gruden's hair was awesome when he took his hat off. Gruden, by the way, said of Josh Jacobs, a little bit like Walter Payton used to play. Hot as hell. He got beat up pretty early. His system will come back and system will get the ball as a runner and receiver. He is special. He deserves some national attention and I hope you give it to him. You know what that means? Gruden is going to feed Josh Jacobs. You want to play Josh Jacobs in DFS. I didn't play him this week. That was a mistake. He is going to have another big game next week. I almost guarantee it. Yeah, he was fun to watch. I just can't believe the Panthers had a fourth and one at the end of this game with under two minutes left and did not give the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, who was it they gave it to that got stopped? Uh, got stuffed? Not Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it fullback? I don't know. All right, let's do some winners and losers. 
I'll start. Uh, My winner of the week, Ryan Pace. I'm going to say Ryan Wilson. Oh. Ryan Pace uh, gets to give Mr. franchise Pace. tag and or a monster contract. If he uh, keeps it up, he's going to keep Trubisky wasn't good, but he keeps people off his back. Uh, I would also accept Kyler Murray as the winner. Or actually, you know what? I'll pivot. I'll say DeAndre Hopkins. Because mm-hmm. Hopkins is on a tweet spree, stuffing it, dunking all over Bill O'Brien, tweeting hashtag grateful. He's like quote tweeting stats he has and like quote tweeting how the Texans lose. It's it's pretty fun. Mm. How about you, Wilson? Uh, my winner is one Aaron Rodgers, who allowed Pete Prisco to peacock all over Fort Lauderdale on Sunday and probably all the way till next week or till the next time that Aaron Rodgers doesn't play well. So great job, Aaron Rodgers, sticking it to all the haters and uh, the Vikings, and um, we'll see how long it lasts. My winner is Gardner Minshew. As someone who wears jorts during the summer and likes to grow mustaches, we have a lot in common, so I thought it was only made sense to name him my winner. But also, let's not forget, back in April, Leonard Fournette was out there tweeting, can we sign Cam Newton so we can get rid of my trash quarterback that's on my team? And what the Jags do instead, they got rid of Leonard Fournette. They kept Gardner Minshew. And all he did today, like we mentioned, 19 to 20, 173 yards, three touchdown passes, one of the biggest upsets of the day. Jacksonville is supposed to be tanking. Gardner Minshew doesn't tank unless he's driving an actual tank. So he is... My winner. All right. My loser, Philip Rivers. Mm, that's pretty mm. good. Same Rough. game. Same game, but yeah. I mean, my loser, the Lions. <laughs> Me. My loser, every professional football franchise in the state of Ohio. It's yeah. Depressing. No, uh-huh. no Ohio State. <laughs> to top it off, you have to watch the Browns and the Bengals all year. Mm. Imagine that. they might be coming back. We'll find out this week, maybe. Please. What if that's part of the argument to bring them back? They're like, look, you know what? The fans in Ohio are suffering right now. They're stuck watching the Browns and Bengals. <laughs> and now these two teams are playing each other on Thursday. Just bring Ohio. Show some mercy. Bring the Buckeyes back. Do you yeah. think Randy Bullock would get a scholarship to play at Ohio State right now? No, he wouldn't. Okay. Oh, he missed. He missed. Oh, and he may have pulled a Great. Muscle, and there is complete elation. Oh, man. That is my favorite part. He missed. He missed isn't my favorite part. The, oh, he might have pulled a hamstring. Like, a kicker got magically injured uh, after he missed a call. Harlan Harlan knew as he was saying that. (laughs) He absolutely. That guy's faking. There's a drunk guy on the field. All right, let's get out of here. This is a two-hour podcast to kick off week one. I'm going to fall asleep sitting up in my chair. If you want to, if you want to see us fall asleep in our chairs, go to youtube.com slash pick six. Thanks for listening. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. 
Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.